0: Talking Tesla Talking Tesla. Tesla I'm not sure if like my foot should be on the brake or the accelerator Unless they put rings on Elon It must be some sort of geometrical algorithm
1: I don't think we need to touch the steering wheel there, Tom
2: maybe. Oh, I'm sure there's some math So SpaceX, <laughs> here's the deal um, Landing a rocket... On a drone ship is key. Charger, charger, <laughs> charger, charger. How <laughs> am I expected
0: to drive a car without autopilot? Charger,
2: charger, <laughs> charger. You know, I'm not a good parker, at yeah. I'll be in the first of a minute. Yeah. I just think that this is a car company that is run by super geeks. System. All the other cars are going to be stupid cars compared to this car. You don't even you know, have to remember slide. that.
0: You've got a Model X. I have seen the future, and it is light pole charging. No, I
1: wouldn't call it a screw-up. Do you like your Model X? God, it's
2: beautiful. <laughs> Shall we? Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's time for Talking Tester 104. 104!
0: Is it? There's nothing at all significant about 104 except 104. for that it's the fourth one after 100.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You're right. There's absolutely or nothing. Including 100, but yes. <laughs> right, like 101, that's cool. 102, yeah, you're like, oh, we're good. 104 gonna... is kind of like that class you had to take in college that you're like, oh my God. Yeah. Why do I have to take 104? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Watch the Emmys last night? Did you kids? No.
2: I did watch the Emmys. I don't know why. Why would you do
1: that? I don't know. I just <laughs> did. You're, you're leftist and you're progressive, and all you want to do is see people upset with the government.
2: I guess so. It's. I don't know why. It's just people patting each other on the back, and but I do have to say again, who knew there was so much good TV? I don't have time. Ten years ago, there wasn't any good yes, TV. First, now off, there's so
0: much good TV. You watch plenty of TV. I don't.
2: I can't keep up. Like, but you what?
0: A, still are watching a lot. It's the guilt to so what is in your head, right? Yeah. Is that you know there's all of these things you want to watch. Yeah. And those cycle through your head, oh, I didn't get to see that, I didn't get to see that, I I didn't get to see that. And that muddles up the joy for what you do get to watch. You have to appreciate what's in front of you, Mel.
2: I'm in season four of uh, Game of Thrones. It's season 10, I think,
0: It's like season 80.
1: I I watched the first show (laughs) (laughs) last week. Yeah, the first show. I think I could stop. Oh. Oh. Oh, that's snap! snap. Although somebody <laughs> like told me, oh, just skip the first two seasons. Take that home. Yeah, box they office. were
2: they were very uh, into sort of uh, nakedness and. Uh, well, yeah, wait, it, wait, it wait, gets, wait, wait! But it gets better. And Back but, up a little bit. What they're into? Who and what? Yeah, a lot of nakedness in the first couple of seasons, and, and, and they then shouldn't watch this. Well, you know, depends. But then there are dragons. Come on, there are dragons later <laughs> in the show. I thought the dragons dead people. just recently
0: showed up. Exactly. I don't know, I'm confused. Spoiler alert. Now
1: I have to watch The Handmaid's myself <laughs> I haven't seen that, but apparently it's good. How about The Man in the High Tower? Oh, that show is good. Man in the High Tower? So you've just committed uh, me. Now I know what I'm doing on my sabbatical. <laughs> I'm going to sit on my butthole. Pretty Little Lies. We've talked about Man in the lies? High
0: Tower on the show. The thing about Man in the High Tower is. The idea of Man in the High Tower is yeah. so much better than the execution of ah. Man in the High Tower. Yeah. But I still watch the whole thing because I'm a fanatic for World War II. Mm. And this is the weirdest dystopian continuation of how World War II could have gone.
2: Okay. This week in what's on television. Yeah,
1: really. <laughs> I mean, I could
2: talk about it a lot, but just, I can't. Really? Also, I have a hangnail.
0: Shit, can we? No, I don't. I don't really. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, how to care for you.
1: Richard
2: Chapman just wanted to give me a hard time. I thought we should do this up front. And is who
0: it? is Richard Chapman? He's a Australian. He's a Patreon subscriber.
2: Come on, Mel. Woo-hoo. I didn't memorize all the Patreons. It says Patreon right above it. Oh, there you go. Patreon comment. They said, "Uh, Mel, just had a bit of a surprise while driving my uh Tesla, my little ute. Sorry, my little ute. You know what a ute is, mate? It's a it's a truck." Yeah, pick up about uh, the dusty iron ore mine up here, uh, up in the, the Australias. And thanks for mentioning my message, but I have to say to you that you missed my point by, shall I just say, mm, a teensy outback mile. Shocking. Sunfire aren't doing carbon sequestration or hydrogen as a fuel, but they're doing some combo of both where they put them together and then you get a liquid fuel and then uh, you use that as, uh, you know, you can burn it. But Robert wants to tell you this, Well Richard. So it sounds as
1: if... I'm sorry I got it wrong, by the way. So sorry. Mr. Chapman, it sounds like what Sunfire is doing is grabbing carbon out of the atmosphere, carbon dioxide, Mm -hmm. combining it with hydrogen Mm -hmm. and making methane, which is a reaction that takes a fair amount of energy. But if you have a lot of solar energy, geothermal, or some kind of excess, quote, excess energy, that could be used to both capture carbon, but it does create a fuel that when you burn it, Puts the carbon right back into the atmosphere. Yeah, but it's a net. Does it not become a net neutral? At it that does point? not because it takes a lot of energy to do it. But it's energy that's in the air anyway. It's the, it's just a, it doesn't that not become like a closed system at that point? Well, that's what people thought about like, well, what if I just use a wood burning stove? I live outside of a city where there's, you know, lots of smog and I can just burn trees and there's more trees growing. But we're not in the situation right now where net neutral helps us. Mm. If we stay net neutral right now as far as carbon production and pushing it into the atmosphere, mm-hmm. we're still going to have a hell of a bad time. Okay. We really kind of need to go the other direction like net right. negative. So what I'm saying is that the vehicles that burn that carbon yeah. are not efficient compared to electric vehicles. I'm not saying that, you know, I'm not an evangelist that says the only way to go is electric. I feel like you are. Well, I'm not, but I'm also feeling this desperation that we need to do something to get this planet into a position where we're not going to choke out our great-grandchildren. So did the
0: Australians invent this because they really took
1: Mad Max to
0: heart and they Mm. didn't want to get into a situation where they didn't have any of the fuel? So they're like, how can we figure out how to take the stuff that's around here, which they looked around and there wasn't much. There was a lot of sunshine. (laughs) And they decided... I don't know. That was a weird Mad Max reference, but yeah, everybody. I mean, knows, it's, it's, Mad
2: Max is actually exactly
1: how it is in Australia. <laughs> that's in a, that's right. that. That's reality. That is, that is all uh, of the, the documentary. Mad, is is actually, all of the Mad Maxes. The one. Yeah, all of them. Is that like uh, Blade Runner? Is exactly how it is in Los Angeles. It, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. It's,
2: these are documentaries, as far as I can tell.
1: I saw the coming attraction for Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Pretty exciting looking. I loved Blade Runner back in the day.
2: Oh, let's talk about movies.
1: Okay, now. Richard. No, Richard Gateskill. Gate Skill. Gate
2: Skill is another, I don't know, maybe it's another <laughs> Patreon, but I don't know why we're doing this up front, but we're going to do says it anyway.
0: Patreon comments. So well, guess, again, right above it, Patreon I, comments. I, we're I, putting these at the top because these are people who actually are paying money to listen to the three of us lunatics talk about this crap every talk week. Talk about film
1: and television. Oh, my God. And, anyway,
2: I, I can't
0: believe we have any Patreon subscribers.
2: <laughs> Richard wanted to know about photovoltaics when there's a little, you know overcastness wow. out there and clouds.
0: Use your words, Mel. Use your words. <laughs> having,
2: having such a hard time this morning. You know, I stayed up late and watched the Emmys. Yeah, so it was hard. Which ended at what? 10? Nine o'clock. It was about nine. I'm old. I literally, my son who's six, seventeen. Um, when I'm go- I go off to bed at nine, he's like, "What did you?" <laughs> I'm like, I'm old. It'll happen to you. With your little, like, <laughs> macrame
0: blanket. You guys are wearing like,
1: a little <laughs> peaked hat with a little castle at the top. You want to stay
0: up later? Less wine, you'd be less tired
1: <laughs> So sleep. Anyway, how does
2: it over, uh, go on those overcast days? So I did a little experiment for you Oh, good And at 10.30 uh, yesterday, and at 10.30 today, around 11 o'clock A couple of my uh, systems are getting like 2,000 kilowatts Uh huh. And when it was really overcast on the weekend, like we get this marine layer thing yeah. It was doing about 1,000, so there you go a really cloudy day, I'm doing about half the amount of electricity. You're getting about half. I'm going to
0: assume then from that that I'm doing about the same because we live pretty
2: close to each So other. if you want to do uh, – you have to manage it. If you want 100% for the whole year, you're going to have to build a system which in the winter – is more than you need in the summer and you're going to or you're going to have to manage your electricity so that in the winter you say i'm going to turn off everything except the bare minimum and in the summer i can turn on a few extra things so if you want to be 100 percent for the whole year you have to have a much bigger system than you need in the summer um than in the winter so a lot of my system for example i think i've talked about before it gets less than half the amount of energy production in some of the winter months than in the summer months because of the shading i get Well, the shading and the sun is lower. The sun is lower and the sun is up for less time. And uh, this is why in California now we have days in the middle of the summer where we make so much we have to send it to Arizona.
0: What do you think it would be like sun to sun day, like sunny day in the summer for a month, same sunny day in the winter for a month without any of the overcast, the weather, the rain? And we probably do get that a fair amount, although I've never tracked like 28 sunny days in October versus 28 sunny days in July, I wonder how much it actually, the sun, the angle of the sun in the sky really does affect that.
2: Well, it affects it more the closer you get to the poles. If you're at the equator, they have great uh, sun all the time. Mm. Whereas as you get to the poles, as you get further away from the equator, the difference between the summer and the winter Duration of sunlight is significant So did you
0: just figure out another way That the western civilization Could take advantage of people Living in the at the equator
2: Yes, well, we talked about it last week Where that guy wants to build in the Sahara Desert Which is because of the equator And then it's got sun all the time
1: Right. Well, or, or is this an opportunity for somebody who lives in Ecuador to put up a solar farm to supply people as in as Ecuador? Long as they don't
2: pull out their
0: coffee plants to do it. Let's oh talk coffee. God. This
2: could be the biggest. Great transition. Thanks, Tom. This could be the most important thing uh, to change people's attitudes towards climate change.
0: Everybody drinks coffee. It changed mine. I walked here today. Really? Oh, <laughs> well, right. so you could save the environment. So yeah. I think
1: all of us are holding something with caffeine in a cup. Oh yes, yeah, that's it's not working yet. Probably Wait, the most used and abused drug in the world. world. Let's not call it a drug. It Let's is call a drug it a friend <laughs> that comes to
0: visit every morning. Mother's little helper. It's not. It has no <laughs> negative <laughs> connotations. It helps in so many ways. And Coffee? the question is, does This coffee article we're about to do also affect tea? No. Oh, thank
1: God. (laughs) I don't
0: care anymore. No, I'm kidding.
1: Well, so this is an article I picked up from Ars Technica that really caught my attention because I think no matter what side of the aisle legislators sit on and no matter who you voted for in the last election, wherever you are, it's likely that you enjoy a good cup of coffee. And a good cup of coffee is something that, is not easily obtained. No. I mean, you, you can, can go, get a
0: bad cup of coffee anywhere. Yeah,
1: you sure can. And there is some horrible, may, may I say, horrible coffee. Horrible. Horrible coffee out there. So if you like the really good, the rich, the creamy, the full of flavor, Arabica type coffees, those coffees are grown in a very narrow environment. In other words, very narrow elevation range, very narrow strip around the equator with certain pollinators and conditions that are very finicky. This, They're trying to breed coffee. So there's Arabica and there's Robusta. Ooh. The Robusta is really high caffeine, harsh taste. It's not the stuff that you would sort of like, I don't know, fell over. That's the only word I can think of. Yeah, that's helpful. When you use yiddish words... Uh, Yiddish is so good because I have no <laughs> idea what that means, but it's just expressive it's like, in its sound. I'm sniffing I the cup and I am <laughs> over it. Yeah, you, it's have, like, you put your hands up and yeah. you quell. <laughs> like, it's like this warm, luscious feeling. You feel home. You feel relaxed even though you're getting a buzz. It's all those good things that coffee is. And the problem is this. As the climate changes, if you don't believe in climate change, one thing you might believe is that the coffee beans are not growing well. Yeah, I think unfortunately because this country
0: and a lot of other places, and I've I haven't had the Seattle-based coffee uh, conglomerates coffee in other countries. In this country, it.
2: You can't. You can't
0: say that. I we we talk crap about all kinds of things on this, and the
1: problem is (laughs) it. You did so it again. <laughs> this tells me, this tells me, Tom, that you are, and even you, you are an order of magnitude more of a coffee connoisseur than most anybody I drink coffee. Uh, I with. think anybody actually, I would, I
0: would disagree because I would say if you go to Starbucks, you're not a coffee connoisseur. Well, now you now have you... been fooled by the Seattle-based mega coffee conglomerate into thinking that is what coffee tastes like. You are
1: wrong, and so are they. So if somebody didn't live near a expensive or a specific coffee provisioner and they wanted to like mail order some coffee that you recommend. There's so many
0: good ones. Like what? Like James Coffee is a small guy Mm -hmm. in San Diego making some really good coffees. Even Stumptown, which is part of a conglomerate now owned by Pete's. Mm-hmm. Makes a decent bean But it's all about the preparation
2: What about your Nescafe Express? <laughs> I am going to come across this
0: table at you We need to stop
1: talking about this coffee now This week in coffee So this show if sucks. you love your coffee I'll take it back If you love your coffee And you're at all um, sensitive to learning about coffee This article I really recommend It dives really deep into the whole uh, biosphere of coffee. And they're projecting like an 80 percent drop in the coffee yields over the next few decades, not considering the loss of pollinators. And coffee is very finicky about who pollinates it. Not that coffee is actually alive, but I'm using this metaphorically. And so if coffee
0: actually is alive, just for the record,
2: well, it's sentient. That's is what intent. he meant. Yeah.
1: And so there is no amount of genetic engineering or greenhouse like climate control that can bring back the coffee plant. And the coffee plants are not doing well. And if you take into account how much the climate is changing where the coffee is being grown and the changes in the pollinators that the coffee plant is dependent on, mm-hmm. there is a good chance we'll be drinking tea. I have a question for you. Yeah. So you guys
0: have been pretty excited about the whole Mars thing. Let's go to Mars. Mars well, coffee? Um, what if there's no coffee? Yeah. And there probably won't be. You're right.
2: I can see uh, lots of people just giving up. <laughs> there'll be, there'll be five-minute
1: energy shots, and there'll be... Yeah, but
0: that's not the same. Because no. the co- for me, coffee isn't about that energy. It's about that full bodied flavor experience of making a proper cup of coffee the mm. whole process is amazing but yeah. i'm the same way with tea like i
1: like my tea process to be done properly as you well you know there's like i don't know how many billions of hours of youtube being added every single day yes. and in and in 75 years when there is no more coffee mm-hmm. and people will be talking about the coffee like culture that was 75 they, years
0: from now, because I will not be here. I know,
1: anymore. but they'll look back at YouTube and how many of us have actually made coffee videos?
0: No, I don't know. Well, I mean, Robert, hus-
1: if you made some, you didn't post them. So, I mean, it <laughs> doesn't really matter. It's true. <laughs> Tom and I had that argument, that discussion already uh, here, and I feel.
0: But you think – I've spent a fair amount of my life on the coffee forums. Yes. yes. Right? Wow. And what I will tell you is if you think that the Tesla forums go granular about things, you should watch some of the coffee folks have conversations. Well, I
2: would like to admit something. Yeah, you don't like coffee. I don't <laughs> like coffee. And no. Now, I want to. I love the culture of it. I see people going to their coffee houses and their fingers are up and they're smoking cigarettes and they're talking about philosophy and they're Mm -hmm. drinking coffee. And I'm like, I wish I could be part of that world, but I don't like coffee. It was actually the most
0: interesting thing I ever learned about you. The first time I asked you if you wanted a cup of coffee and you were like,
2: I don't drink coffee.
0: I wanted to. To shoot you, just to put you out of your own misery. I am a
2: coffee super taster. It is so bitter to me. It could be one part coffee to one trillion parts of uh, cream, and and I am just oh,
0: and is that all coffee? Like perfectly, like if I produced a perfectly rounded cup of coffee, it's the I don't know
2: what a perfect cup of coffee is because as soon as I drink it, I don't mind the smell. Quite like the smell, but the taste. I'm a super taster. I got I got coffee super sensitivity.
0: I wonder. I wonder. What, I wonder if I could make you the perfect cup of coffee that would change your if life. If you could
2: make it out of tea. <laughs>
0: but you're also Australians drink a lot more tea
2: than coffee, right? Uh, they used to, but I think now the coffee has taken over. Anyway, I we should request. probably go Can on we the move show. On? Yeah,
0: let's talk about something else.
2: Uh oh, dear Robert wants to do a media pick. Let's just completely start the show Please. with absolutely nothing to do with. If you're uh, listening to Tesla. this show,
1: just fast forward. <laughs> <laughs> Give it another. I five saw minutes. I saw a movie this uh, last week called Wind River, which looks amazing. Jeremy it? Renner. It's uh, it's not a happy, feel good story but it's an amazing uh, cinematic piece that's shot in Utah and Wyoming where it's amazing, beautiful. You got to see it on the big screen. That makes it, unless, of course, you're like, I don't know, Tom, and have a 65-inch flat screen in your house. I don't have a 65-inch flat screen in my house. No, You're thinking 85. about 85. You're thinking about Mel. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I, really, I really thought this movie was great. I was impressed to see how little this thing netted in the first weekend it was on in the box office. It's not very widely distributed. That's the biggest yeah, reason. Yeah, probably not. But it was a great story. Really well done. Uh, writer, director did a fantastic job. I totally recommend it. Wind River. We'll throw in the link. Speaking of wind, I just got an
2: uh, update from uh, my watch here and it says Puerto Rico is under a state of emergency. ahead of Maria is now a hurricane and headed straight toward it. What the hell is going on? Dear Caribbean,
0: it's coming back. Actually, Jose
1: is heading up the uh, eastern seaboard and my wife's in Massachusetts uh, watching amazing clouds and uh, she's feeling there's an ominous feeling there. So So Joseph and
0: Mary were the next two
2: hurricanes.
1: Really? It's biblical. Jose and Maria, right? It's, it's yeah. Joseph and Mary. It's biblical.
2: It's crazy. Hey, mm. uh, let's talk about Nissan, Renault, uh, Mitsubishi coming together to, to reveal come their future together. plans, including 12 EVs. So right these group now. have got together to gang up to make EVs. It's called Alliance 2022. So not 2020, 2022. 12 EVs are going to come. They're going to share a platform. And they're going to uh, lean heavily on Mitsubishi because they've done a lot of sort of plug-in stuff. They think the battery improvements will allow them to have ranges of up to 300 miles an hour and uh, be able to charge fairly quickly. And I say after I read this. 300 miles of range. 300 miles of range. And I read this and I'm like, really? This is so anemic and so far behind where Tesla will be in 2022. Tesla's going to have the S, X, 3, Y. Pick up, I believe they'll also have a $20,000 version called the Z. That's just me. At the high end, they'll have over 400 miles range. They'll have fast charging. These guys are trying to play catch-up, and they need to have a stretch goal that's a bit more than this. Everybody needs to get in the game, though, man.
1: Yeah, Everybody get in the game. needs
0: to be in the game, and it takes a while. How long has it? When did the first Tesla Roadster come out? Like 2007. 2007. When did the first S come out? 2012. 2012, 2012, right? And it's 2017. We're five years into that, and they've made how many S's and X's? A few hundred grand, thousand? A couple hundred thousand. A couple hundred. Right. So it's hard. Yeah. Right, it's hard, and they're doing. You know, they had to build their own factories from scratch. They're they they still not one battery on any of those S's and X's for the most part has come out of the giant gigafactory investment. There's a long time frame that goes into these kinds of changes, and we have a
2: three hundred million vehicle fleet. I've got that. I understand, but this is a press release. This yeah. is like here's how our plans are. Here's our stretch goal. I have a goal that's like. Exciting. This is like less than we have today. You should be saying we're going to stretch for a 500-mile vehicles range. is less than we have today? In terms of what they're going to put in these vehicles. I'm just
1: saying this is a press release. You're supposed to lie. Lie <laughs> better than this. Well, if, th- this, if this is their lie, I'm really under-impressed. In fact, my comment was meh. I mean... I'm really excited to see that Tesla is continuing to push the environment both in trucks, both in cars, in all sorts of transportation modes, but this I you know I read here that it doesn't even say that they're really battery electric vehicles. They say the group will lean on Mitsubishi for its plug-in hybrid expertise using its new plug-in hybrid electric vehicle technology. This I you know these are not pure battery electric cars. But it says vehicles should achieve ranges of 373
0: miles right. using the European. So you're saying But like using overall, like gasoline. But but again it's it's like the volt paradigm, right? That's the, true right? if it does
1: turn out like that, but they don't say the that. The volt paradigm
0: is is good for 40 if it's an 11 mile all electric range by 2022, then these people will have wasted billions of dollars. What, but the they have volt, to know that.
1: But the volt has been around for what Three four years and there's a lot Of them and you yeah. can buy them right now This is this is like what Five years from now right. they're going to Go backwards to the volt technology I don't. I know.
0: think these companies are afraid Of all of the billions of dollars and Getting it wrong yeah well right? Because I think if you get it wrong You got problems Look at fiat e yeah That they got it
1: wrong the spark EV well look Carlos Ghosn Is a really dynamic guy He's the guy who spearheaded the Leaf Before anybody besides Tesla And any other like small Whatever one-off car manufacturers Mm -hmm. He was the first of the legacy car makers uh, CEOs to push for 100% electric EVs Dude, Carlos, you can do better than this Show us what you got They came out with their new Leaf last week We talked about it And I'm very upset about that Look, let's move on Tesla
2: increases Model 3 deliveries to employees This is from all (laughs) electric It's from Electric, and it says this. Look, I'm really interested, I don't know if you are, about uh, how production is going for the Model 3. I'm interested. I don't know if you're interested. Would you like to know? Why would I not be interested in that? Thank you. That's weird. So uh, they say in this article, well, Tesla says that they're supposed to have 1,500 by the end of the month. Mm -hmm. We still don't have any direct numbers from Tesla to say what they're up to. But this article notes that we've had more and more sightings. Mm -hmm. Employees are confirming deliveries or Mm -hmm. emails to configure. We've seen a lot of uh, Teslas at tesla headquarters there was uh, five or ten model threes in a row and there was a picture this weekend Mm -hmm. we've seen them spotted now on the east coast we've even seen one in europe we've seen a couple down in new zealand um and this is all good i guess but i still would like to know where is production are we keeping up are we going to make a lot next month so in october we're supposed to get up to what was the number in october thousands into the fifteen hundred in October. Oh, wow. It was into the well
1: that was the, the thousands per week. Yeah, kind that of was thing. The, the ramp the like the vertical portion of this S curve that Elon was mentioning, and he didn't know where that vertical jump up was gonna occur, somewhere in that second, third quarter like transition zone. But I think we're going to find out more on um, oh what's the date? I was looking for the next earnings calls coming up in October. Uh, that's when
0: we'll know what their guidance is for what they they'll, – they'll tell us what they've been able to do, yeah and then they'll give us additional guidance for what,
2: what they they're will going
0: to do or what they would hope to do.
2: So um it turns out – I was wondering why we haven't heard much, and Jason Calacanis – now, Jason Calacanis is a tech entrepreneur. He's an early investor in Tesla, so you got to take this with a bit of a grain of salt, I guess. But he said we're basically under a uh, – Non disclosure. There's not an official non disclosure, but it's been very clear to him as a friend of Elon that please don't say too much about the car yet. We're in the early production stages. There might be some issues. Even though he said that, he's under this sort of friend non disclosure. He said some very hyperbolic things like this. This is one of the three best tech products ever created. You've got your Mac PC revolution, you've got your smartphone revolution, and you've got this car. It's a masterpiece it's a game changer i'm just saying because i'm just more saying. so than the s yes he says this car let me read again is a masterpiece <laughs> and he had one of the first s's had one of the first x's and he had one of the first roadsters and uh this he says the
1: best of all of them so this article answers for me why if there are hundreds of model 3s being delivered to employees of tesla SpaceX. Why aren't we hearing more? Why aren't there a flood of YouTube videos? Why aren't people wanting to show off their cars, right? All Tesla owners that, well, I should say almost all Tesla owners that I know are so excited and so happy with their car and with Tesla and the mission that they are like gushing to show off the car to anybody who wants to hear about it. Why not with the Model 3? Because they're being told to be hush and because the car is still being, quote, developed. And we'll talk about that a little later. But for me, I thought it was really exciting on Friday. I took my car in. I had a couple of very minor things, never touched by Tesla service since I got it. But the windshield washer, I've been going through tons of windshield washer fluid because when I'm driving, I see the dirty window. I go to push it, and the driver's side one squirts, like, down. It doesn't actually squirt up on the window. And I keep saying, oh, I got to get that fixed. And I'm driving. I get distracted. I don't remember. So finally, I remembered, and I did that. And also because I had that mirror issue that I talked about last week. And they also fixed one of the sun visors, which wasn't, like, clicking in. They just had to replace the little plastic grabber uh, on the, the middle side of it. But while I'm there, they say, Well, you like to wash the car? Of course. That was nice. I've had my car washed twice, both times by Tesla. Thank you. And uh, a gray Model 3 drives right past me. What the what? Oh. Did you throw yourself? Did you front run of me? after <laughs> it? Oh, you hit me. I'm so sad. No, I did not. But I watched as two guys drove it out of the service center, which was, by the way, so packed with S's and X's. I've never seen it like that. We don't like that. Service center's full of cars is not a good thing. Well, it's also a delivery center. And while I was sitting, waiting for my car for like two hours, four transport trucks filled with Teslas were coming in, offloading new cars and pulling the CPO cars back as well. But no threes on that? No, no three. Only this one, gray three. And it was explained to me by one of the guys there that they were using it to give test drives to employees who had reservations so that they could maybe oh that's finish, nice of them finish their you know their sale process cuz employees you know are just like us they don't want to drop an obligation like 35 or actually it's 49000 right now
0: except we have to we're getting get driving those
1: options well you're going to get to drive the car before i buy it i expect
0: you will i expect i won't
1: okay well At least Tesla's doing it for their employees, who also have to explain the car and sell the car to other people. So it went in and out, and I got a pretty good look at it. It looks gorgeous. And the nice thing is that it allows me to confirm that, yes, the car exists. People are test driving it, that uh, salespeople are getting uh, like trained on it. And there was even one I saw, I caught it on um, the Motors Forum, that there was one, a Model 3 uh, in Netherlands, spotted Just in the last couple of days. What did you
0: feel about its overall size? Did you get close enough to it to get a feel for that?
1: Yeah, it definitely feels a lot more, I don't know, a lot more, a lot more manageable, like in tight places than a Model S. You know, in a tight parking structure, Model S is still, it's a little dicey. I've driven it for four plus years, over 100,000 miles, and you know, I feel very comfortable with it, but I still have that trepidation. If I had just bought it and I was within 5,000 miles and I'm driving this car that I certainly shouldn't be able to afford, I'd be really nervous. S3 makes, uh, makes that much easier. It's a lot more compact. I haven't driven it yet. I tried. But I couldn't get a drive Yeah,
2: so I've had a uh, Model 3 for three and a half years And uh, I still am not used to how wide it is it You've is a, had wide a Model 3 for three so, and a half Model years? S. That is amazing Model S It's still, it's a really wide car It's a great car yeah. Very wide um,
1: Can we pick this up?
2: Electric has another article It's uh, the Tesla pickup So, late October October 26th, to be exact, we can get the big truck reveal. We're talking about Woo-hoo! the semi-trailer. And uh, Elon's been tweeting about it. says this thing drives like a sports car. It's amazing. I remember, back in April, he said, look, we're going to make a pickup announcement in about you know, 18 months. He said, you know, you know, in another year or so, we'll talk about the Tesla pickup. Mm-hmm. But recently, in a response to a Twitter question, somebody asked, uh, what about uh, getting a pickup earlier? And Elon said, well, what if we just made a mini version of the Tesla Semi? Now, people have been trying to pass this out. Was that a joke or is that like a product announcement? What is that? (laughs) And then this article also reminds us that he said in the last earnings call, I really recommend showing up for the Tesla semi-truck reveal event. Maybe there's a little more that we're going to be revealing than we've said so far. But but who's he saying that? (laughs) Because,
0: okay, Elon, if you're listening. And he's not. I would like to show up for the semi-event. You've made it rather difficult because I don't. I think I'm going to sell a half a million dollars worth of cars in the next 18 days to get my invitation
2: Yeah So speculation, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls uh, He is the master at sort of whipping up a little bit of frenzy <laughs> Is that the one more thing, the sort of the Apple-like reveal Like, here's our big semi-trailer Oh, mm-hmm. and before you go, one more thing uh, Here's the pickup truck yeah. And people are even going further Why not just say and you can plonk down a thousand bucks and get on the reservation just like they did oh. for the three and the other ones, even if it 's a year or two out, you know that people are going to put the money down, and I predict if they have a pickup truck yeah they'll get a million reservations
0: bigger so you're saying bigger than the model three if they yep. announce a pickup truck yep, I think that is incorrect. I would put money on that
2: would you put money down on a Mm, truck, pickup truck, electric
0: Oh, depending on what it looks like It looks and what Tesla I spectacular it.
2: It's got incredible acceleration It's got this huge flat bed It's even got a dual cab for you It's got everything you could possibly want, Tom I don't need a truck Don't even want a truck I might put a thousand down just for <laughs> Yeah, but
0: then we'd spend the next two years every week being like, are you going to get it today or are you not going to get it
1: today are you going to get it today or are you not going to get it today? (laughs) I I wonder if this extra something at the reveal event, I first thought was going to be like they're going to drive a pickup truck out of the back of a semi. But I think maybe this is the second, you know, there's different segments within Tesla that are focusing on autopilot, they're focusing on Y and semi. I think the semi side of Tesla is focusing on the commercial market. And where is really the largest commercial market? It's semis, which Tesla, I don't know, can tackle. They really can't do the long-haul, thousand-mile driving semis, not with the current design they have. That's the We don't even know what the current
0: design they have
1: yeah, is. Yeah, well, I mean, it's been... They've talked about potential battery size. They talk about it being a range of up to 300 miles. It's just enough to make it from Sparks, Nevada over to Fremont. I don't think they quite have the pure long-haul truck market ready. And they said, the statements I've seen is that it's not really that necessary because it's taking big trucks short distances from the port to the distribution center and back. That's really the distance that most of the trucks drive. But what about the UPS trucks, the Amazon trucks, the FedEx trucks, the postal trucks? That is an enormous market. Big one. And this is like short, very short distances. You can they're all planned out. They can be uh, given enough battery to do, I don't know, a day's worth of driving. If all you're doing is maybe 100 miles through traffic and towns and um, the trucks can be configured differently so that you have an increased amount of storage space because you can throw the batteries on the bottom. The, the motors are small. They can use the Model 3 motors. I wonder if they're going to be revealing some sort of like a step van or a large van for commercial purposes here. And uh, it'd be interesting to see who attends this event on the 26th. Tom, if they come out with a Tesla um, mail
2: carrier van, would you buy one? That would be a pretty practical little car, I reckon Maybe Are you guys available
1: on the evening of the 26th? Uh, Yeah, I think we'll probably do
2: a show Of October 26th? Yes I might not be Well, I think we're going to have to do a live event Because I know if one thing is absolutely certain We're not going well, I don't know about that. I'm going to...
1: I'm. Oh, you're working your I'm mojo? I'm working, baby. I'm working yeah, on it. He's working mm-hmm. his mojos.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Electric has got another article here about battery swap. Remember back in the day, Tesla came out and said, look, we're going to have this battery swap so that uh, when you're driving a long distance, you can go to the battery swap. It'll pop this uh, battery out. We'll put another one. It'll take 90 seconds. It'll be amazing. It'll be faster than you can fill a car up. Mm-hmm. And then it turns out everybody went... Eh. Whatever.
0: Remember that time me and you went
2: Yeah, we were driving there uh, <laughs> To the battery swap, called them That's famous now, famous uh, episode And they're like, uh, no, you got to call us two days before And you've got to drop it back to the exact location At about, you know, within a ten minute time frame we're Like, well, that's not very practical And it turns out that people didn't care Because they would rather fill up with the supercharger for free Back in the day
1: mm-hmm. Than
2: swap your battery for fifty bucks Because right. we're all
1: cheap And go have a veggie burger at Harris Ranch.
2: So this is a new sort of uh, upgraded, more mobile battery swap, and it's just really uh, not very interesting because it says it takes 15 minutes, and we know that the Model 3 battery is sort of bolted on, so maybe this new battery swap takes longer because it's for the Model 3. And I just don't see that this is for routine, long-distance travel that people are going to do this at all.
0: No, but I think it could have a lot to do with all of these cars coming online and having occasional battery problems and the mobile repair services that we've talked about. And again, this article is not about a thing that exists. It's about a patent application. A so patent. let's be very, very specific about that. But I think there's, there's a few reasons to swap batteries. And I think quick charge and range extension are not in the top three. Uh, you could think of one as what if you're stranded in the middle of nowhere without a charge and they can just come out, instead of flatbed hauling you somewhere God knows where else, right. they can just come out, change your battery, it's charged, and you're good to go. Right. Or if you have a battery failure mm-hmm. somewhere by on your house, and it's a Tuesday and... Instead of coming to the service center, they just bring a new battery to you. Boom, boom, boom. Little service ranger. Or if you upgrade a battery, if you're like me and you have a 60 and you've you bought it used and maybe a few years later, Tesla's like, you know what? We have all of this excess battery capacity because of the Gigafactory, and we right. can't make well, the Gigafactory's working twice as fast as the car line, so we're gonna start selling battery upgrades. And you're like, they're like, hey, Tom, how'd you like
1: an 85 for your 60 or 100? Uh, uh, I, I would. Thank you very much. Yeah. True. And not all the service centers have the capacity. Uh, you know, they're not all created equal. There are small service centers. There are large service centers. They're going to have to open a lot more service centers, especially with the three out there. Uh I expect that this is probably something that might be used in service centers more than for us traveling out on the road. Because they did note, you know, when they first announced the battery swap, they had a race, right, between a BMW filling up at a gas station and someone at the the battery swap, swapping the battery. Knocking on the door, wondering if they get a battery swap. No, they had Elon (laughs) to help set that thing up. And so they're saying now, like, up to uh, 15 minutes... And before they were like three minutes. So this is a huge difference. This is like You know, not quite an order of magnitude, but it's a significant difference. Who knows what this means? Who knows? Who knows? Let's speculate for hours and hours over the next 10 or 12
0: weeks. What do you say, boys?
1: No, let's move on and talk about automatic emergency braking turned off in some newer models. What the what? Yeah, I caught this from Consumer Reports, and I'm always a little, you know, Consumer Reports came out initially as, like, loving Tesla. They Mm -hmm. bought Teslas. They drove them. They gave it number one of any car, best score, period. And then they you know, continually had these like kind of bummer stories about Tesla. But I respect consumer reports. I like consumer reports. I do too. And so I've been watching and they're talking about how recently on Reddit and they were able to confirm with Tesla that in the latest Model S's and X's produced since Model 3 started coming off the line. Just those. Just those. That they have a different radar component. Mm. So one of the fellows on TMC, the the forum, uh, said that it was, I I forgot, Continental or some name like that, that they had changed the radar, forward-facing radar, and they needed to now verify if automatic emergency braking was as good. And the forum has blown up a lot of negative comments. I know we're going to hear from Tom in a moment. But Be aware that if you're getting a brand new delivery, you may have this automatic emergency braking safety feature turned off for as much as six to eight weeks. While Tesla validates it, they're going to run it in the background and they're going to review if the system was triggered. In other words, triggered in a you should do something mode, but it's disconnected from the do something mode. They're going to look to see... Are these triggering events something that the radar should have triggered for, or is it falsely being triggered? Why, Robert? Why? Why? Why would they do this to people buying
0: expensive vehicles? Why? That's all I want to know. Do they not have the ability to test this? Before they put cars on the line, why you can't? Why?
2: You can't well, there's you can. a couple of things.
0: No, you absolutely can.
2: No, if you need, sometimes you need millions of miles to capture thousands of events to determine whether this is going to work. So I understand why they might need to do that in real world setting. But this is the problem with a car manufacturer. We've gone, talked about this so many times. When you are continually fixing and upgrading and not waiting for a new model year, this is the problem. It's the exciting part and the downside to a Tesla model, which is different than the traditional model. We're, we've got a new radar. We're putting it in. We're going to see if it works. Old uh, legacy manufacturers are like, no, no, we wait. We test on the outside. We wait for five years, then we install it. So it's the, it's the upside and the downside. I would be kind of ticked if I were one of these people who just bought a $100,000 car and uh, you don't have emergency braking.
0: Well, this isn't an autopilot feature either, right? This is a True. new radar. This is a safety feature on a vehicle that you buy because it's safe. Mm -hmm. And while this is turned off, it's less safe. The real question, is this this same radar in threes? Have they turned off all of the automatic emergency braking for people in threes as well? All of the employees don't have that feature?
2: When you buy a new Tesla, you would think that uh, to get away from some of these issues is you... Buy into or agree to be part of the Tesla beta program in some way. Uh, maybe they give you extra features. Maybe they give you some money off. But like, we need a certain number of these new cars. That's what I'm saying. They should um, to reduce some of this blowback. It's like, well, you agreed to be part of the testing program. We're going to get you some extra stuff. But because
1: of that, here's one of the things we're going to take away for six weeks. Yeah. Maybe if they sent people a shirt it would make them feel better. I don't know. It's just just impressive to me that people are so into Tesla. If this happened with General Motors or Nissan or someone else, and they, they kind of throw out this little press release, or there was kind of like this not big announcement, but they did this. I don't know if people would, if this would even rise up to the level of being noticed. But with Tesla, it certainly does. It's upset a lot of Tesla people. And my advice to Tesla, Communications department is please put together a cogent explanation of what happened, why you're doing it, and you know, like what kind of N do you need? How many number, what's the number of events you need to feel like you've completely made this system solid? Because I'm sure they've tested it like on the track and they've tried to make this new radar work, but they're just not sure because, like Mel says, they need a million events. I
0: don't remember this happening. The first time they released the old radar, them turning True. off AEB, right? So why is this different? Why? That's what I want to know. There's, it's, it's not self driving. It's not reading lines. It's there's something in front of me. I should
1: stop. True that, right? But also, when they switched from autopilot one to two. Autopilot 2, for the longest time, what, six months, did not have all the features and all of the reliability and, quote, smoothness of Autopilot 1. But and they, it still never, but they
0: <laughs> never discussed automatic emergency braking yeah. as being something they turned off for a month and a half.
1: Yeah, it's, it's troubling. And then and what if at the
0: end of a month and a half, riddle me this, bat people, I dropped $120,000 on my Model S or X. They've now called me and said, hey, we turned off your automatic emergency braking. What if in that six weeks I get into an accident? What if at the end of six weeks, Tesla's like, you know what? Mm, that new radar is not working so great. Um, uh, we're going to put it back to the old one. Time the heck out, bros.
2: What if it's the opposite? You, they turned it off. You crashed your $120,000 car. Turns out it works perfectly, and they had it turned off, and you crashed I see a lot of problems with this, and I understand why people are ticked. Again, it is, seems to be, a, with Tesla, over and over again, a communications issue. What is going on? Please explain to the peeps they're going to get angry. Spling and they're it. angry. Spling and I understand. It. Look, let's move on and let's talk about, uh, I don't know, we've had these hurricanes. We've had a lot of them. They're what? still going on. Where People have been without power in some of these communities for weeks, They may be a bit without power. They're saying for some of these people, months, because the infrastructure is so destroyed. Probably
0: not in Florida. In some of the leeward islands, they were saying they were going to have months. This is
2: a little article about in some of these places you can drive around and the lights are on in some houses because these peeps have solar plus battery electric backup. And so... I was thinking about this, you know, because I'm getting a Tesla battery. Haven't heard from them, Still don't know when it's going in. A Tesla battery. More
0: than a I'm Tesla. Getting
2: a, I'm getting a couple of them. And I want it for basically for backup because I live in earthquake territory. And I'm thinking that might be a good idea to have some backup when the, mm-hmm. the big one happens. Hopefully my whole house doesn't fall down. But if it doesn't, maybe I'll have some backup. Yeah. And I was thinking you could be a good sort of community citizen because just think if As this sort of goes through the community, and every fifth house has it, every tenth house, and you've got battery backup, and it's not just about you keeping your stuff. What about you as a community saying, look, I know that uh, the guy across the street needs to have his insulin uh, refrigerated, so you can check that in my fridge. Oh, I know there's a baby down the street there, too, and they need some cold milk. I'll help uh, out the community. So I can see, as we see with community solar, you could have community battery backup for these disasters.
0: I could also see a... Massive problem with With that unfortunately people being People you know well, like you You I, you have you say hey bring In your stuff and then you the last Guy that comes you don't have room for his Stuff what's he gonna do is he gonna freak Out like this is opportunity for us
1: of, To be community Yeah yeah no to, to I to practice think community. I think that's amazing
0: One of the questions that I have is we We're in the DWP I know we have A weird we're not off The grid thing would this still work in that situation? Yes. Will your solar during the day power your house and charge your battery even if the grid is completely down?
2: That is the point of the battery backup systems that they have. So you can have it so that that doesn't work, but specifically the uh, battery backup is, yes, the solar panels get fooled that the grid's still on. It's this way of thinking about it. Uh-huh. And it uh, charges up your battery and okay. it charges your house. What I don't know about how these systems are like, when your battery's full and there's nowhere left for the energy to go... It just switches off your solar panels. And I guess it just, yeah, it turns them off, the battery drops down, right. and then it turns on again?
0: Because the, the power doesn't go right from your solar panels into your inverter and then into your house. It has to go through the battery at all times. And Like, in my situation, I don't have
1: a battery backup. Mm-hmm. If the power grid went out... I'm out. You're out. Right. So the reason that happens is because you have a trip switch. This switch looks at the grid side of your circuit. And if it sees no electricity coming through the grid, it shuts off. What the power wall does is it reserves some of those batteries to present a current to that switch. So the switch, even though current does not appear to be coming down the pole to your house, the battery power wall replaces that signal of current to this safety switch. So the safety switch does not trip and the system remains active within your house.
0: And is it going to, and and like you said, once your batteries are full yes. and your nothing is on in your house. It'll turn off. It'll turn off. Will it turn back on once your batteries are empty yeah. again? It knows yeah. it's smart it's enough It's programmed to for this.
2: That. There's a fully charged episode that uh, he has his uh, Tesla battery installed, and it's really good. Go watch it, and it's all about this and the use of the app. And I feel like cool. I should now get these. Yeah, they're
1: expensive, but there's, there's yeah. great programs I'm talking I, about I in California. I feel like you should made. now buy
0: these for me. And <laughs> it's not gonna
1: happen. And I, you can get them at like half price in California right now. And I threw in an article. It's a little lower down. I didn't abstract it because I figure we're going to talk about it anyway from Fast Company, which outlines this one guy, Andy Green, who lives down in Florida. And he was one of those guys who had the light on. And he says that, you know, we really couldn't do everything, but we could keep our refrigerator going. We could keep some air conditioning going, and they could keep their, like, Wi-Fi online. And it wasn't a panacea. They couldn't, you know, bask in all of the heat and cooling and everything.
0: Also, it was not pancetta.
1: Neither that. But if you had pancetta and you spent a lot of money on it, at least in your refrigerator, it would not be going bad. You know, I can see this, again,
2: these are expensive batteries still, but let's say like that Florida nursing home situation where we Mm, had a whole bunch of people die because they're old, they couldn't take the heat stress. You could like designate one room and a really efficient AC unit for one of these disasters and say, everybody pile on this room and we've got the battery back up in the solar and it will keep it cool enough so that sort of disasters like that didn't happen. It's hard to replace all of your energy all of the time with a solar system and a battery backup, but you can do parts of it like fridges and a little bit of Wi-Fi and maybe yes, conditioning in right, one room.
0: Right. That's a question. So somebody, when this thing happened in Florida with the old folks home, the sad occurrence, somebody told me that they have people here. Right. Uh, chul, friends with children that need air conditioning and mm-hmm. need, maybe even you're at home and you need a respirator or whatever, right. and I know those do have their own batteries breathing machines. for the most part, but let's say you have a very specific need for a medical machine and an air conditioning unit, albeit in a small area of your house, and most people don't have the ability to have their central air conditioner only do one room, so you would almost have to have a dedicated unit like you have, right? A ductless sort of Unit, which is an addition, another additional Expense how long Could a normal Let's say a regularly efficient Air conditioner unit Run like how For how many hours on a Tesla battery
2: um, I will have to do some math On that for you next week I'm actually very interested In this and might do it for a Patreon Some of the new ductless systems are super efficient There's a SEER rating um, Which is uh, how efficient S-E-E-R It's how efficient your air conditioner is. So a lot of the central air conditioners in California are 10 SEER. I think they've just changed it so you have to have a 14 SEER, which is significantly more efficient. Some of these ductless systems are 30 plus SEER, so they're super efficient. Mm -hmm. I'll find out how many kilowatt hours they require for a day of energy, but with a couple of tesla batteries you get a lot of energy and so there's a lot of people who are completely off grid basically with a couple of these and a good solar system so i'll get back to you on that so it's a very i'm just saying if you live in one of these areas and particularly if you've got some very specific use cases where you've got to have a cpap device you've got to have a medical device you must have a fridge for your medications it's something to think about beforehand yeah and the prices have come down so they're
1: still expensive but with some um, government incentives They are a lot less expensive than you think. And this brings to mind that Tesla is not just a car company. Events like this and talking about this tells me that Tesla is much bigger, much bigger than just a car company. And maybe that's why the value of Tesla is rising. Hey, Google, what's Tesla's stock price?
2: As of twelve fifteen PM Eastern daylight time today,
0: the price for Tesla stock on NASDAQ is three hundred eighty-six dollars and sixty-two cents, oh! up
2: one point seven nine percent from last Friday. Dang. It's a lot. It's not at its peak though. <laughs> it's up a lot.
0: Right, and there are, and just so you guys know out there, there are other battery backup products that are not just Tesla powerwall.
2: It's true, and I spent a little bit of time looking at them. None of them can compare with the price of Tesla.
0: They're less?
2: They're more. The price per kilowatt hour Tesla has people beat, at least here in uh, California and the U.S. Tesla has them beat right now. And, and what I've,
0: is the lead time? If I wanted to get a battery wall, power wall today, Mel...
2: I don't know. I've, you know, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, I got the call. Uh-huh. We sort of did the preliminaries. Uh-huh. I'm the real world example of how long it's going to take here in California.
0: Was there money
2: exchanged in this uh, preliminary? There, there was $500 per Tesla battery deposit put down.
0: Mm-hmm. So we'll see, Tom. And did they give you an install cost?
2: Uh,
1: no, no install cost and no time frame yet. Hmm. Just to clarify, we're currently at a all-time high for Tesla. <gasps> Today? Yeah, t- 387.72. It says here 52-week high on my phone. That's not it, an
0: all-time high. That's a 52-week high. That's in the right, last but year.
1: But it never has been higher. Yeah, I don't in, think last uh, year or uh, a year okay. ago was yeah, higher than that. This is, this is the top. All right, let's talk about gigafactory production
2: because to charge up those uh, batteries in your cars and to charge up those batteries in your house, you're going to need a solar system. But, boy, uh, we've got... we're going to start putting tariffs on um, solar
1: systems, apparently. So we better have the production capacity here in the United States ramp up. So in Buffalo, Gigafactory 2 has started producing material, material being Tesla roof tiles. Very exciting. So J.B. Straubel was recently interviewed uh, regarding the Tesla factory because there have been delays. And this has upset people in the Buffalo and the New York. And so they had to kind of speak up to it. Straubel said that they're anticipating placing a gigawatt of solar tiles and panels on the market uh, a year. They're going to reach that rate by 2019, which is a little ways from now. Not quite 2020. Not quite, but maybe a few days before 2020, exactly. they will be at a 30th gigawatt hour of production. Which, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, it's hard when we get into these giga and tera and, and ginormous numbers to really know what that means. And mm-hmm. this quote, I really, I really kind of stunned me. He says one gigawatt is equivalent to the annual output of a large nuclear or coal-fired power plant. So it's like we're eliminating one of those every single year. Wow. And they're expecting to increase the efficiency now that they're getting closer to that point of actually going into production. They're looking to increase the efficiency of the Buffalo plant so that they could produce two gigawatts of solar panels and tiles a year. When that they'll achieve that, I don't know, maybe sometime in the 2020s. But again, Tesla doing its thing to push the envelope uh, and push us towards renewability.
2: Yeah, that I really like that number now. So when I read these articles, I can go, okay, gigawatt is like a giant nuclear plant. I got that. That's can
0: good. you explain to me though, like what is that gigawatt versus a megawatt versus uh like a kilowatt? A, a megawatt terawatt. hour is that? Is a gigawatt a thousand megawatt hours? Yes.
1: Yeah. Well, not hour. Well, I guess you could if you did put it over hours. But if you just said gigawatt, in other words, instantaneous production, if they took everything that came out of the factory Mm -hmm. uh, starting sometime in 2019 and you looked at it for a year, they Mm -hmm. would be able to produce a gigawatt of electricity. And if you ran it for eight hours a day, that would be eight gigawatts. Eight gigawatt hours. So
0: it can when they say it produces a gigawatt, it's a gigawatt per hour or it's a gigawatt of production per year that those panels will be able to produce a gigawatt of energy over a year.
1: Yeah. So the panels, in other words, let's say, okay, I'm Tesla Gigafactory 2 and I have just produced 100 gigawatts, gigawatts of panels. That means if I laid them all out on a nice sunny day and hooked them all up, boom, I'd be getting a gigawatt. Uh, out of those panels And if I had In what amount and of I time if I Measured in over one hour I would have one gigawatt hour instantaneously? Yes, yes. Okay. I mean, like that's what the panels can just push, push out. out. Okay. And then
2: if you do it for 10 hours, you get 10 gigawatt hours. So sometimes I talk about the instantaneous production. Like when you buy a solar system, if you buy a 15 kilowatt solar system, mm-hmm. that means you do 15,000 watts at its maximum when the sun is shining. You can get that out. Mm-hmm. If you do that for 10 hours, then you get 15. 150,000 yeah, which is 150 kilowatt
1: hours per day. Okay. So what I wanted Math to say is is hard in real time. Mel, you put in money for a Tesla solar roof. Did yes, you not? I did. Yeah. Yes, I did. And so, when did they say they were going to give it to you? Uh, they didn't. So I. Someone took my referral code Robert 3177. That's a good one, man. That's a nice one. And I got a little ding on my loot box what? on the Tesla app. Ding. And it says that I am 1 out of 5 for getting quote early access token for solar roof. Oh, I I could give it to you. I I'm not I don't I already Maybe have solar. Maybe you can't. I don't know. But that makes me interested to know. Who is getting the solar roof fastest besides Elon and JB Strong? Bjorn
0: Nyland. Yeah, it, right. Yeah,
1: Bjorn, Bjorn Nyland <laughs> or a few of the other YouTubers. Or
0: Bonnie, right, who got right. the who's very close to getting a, to drive the boring machine.
1: Yeah. So, you know, this is really exciting. Does this mail make you interested in giving out your tesla code i honestly i'll tell you the, truth. the reason i don't give out my tesla code is because
2: then there'd be three people vying for it <laughs> i want one of us to give out the code so one of us can get something yeah
0: yeah good job robert you're
2: i want us to go to an event and it requires that one of us use a code and get fully coded up no. i think we
1: should start a uh one of those petitions what are they called uh where you put out a petition and everybody signs it and then you send it to whoever, Mm -hmm. that we be considered like the press, at least as far as Tesla's concerned. We don't report on anything else with any accuracy, right? Television, movies, toenail trimming, none of that. That might be the problem. Well, but if we are Tesla-focused press, then maybe we should get access to Tesla, ask them questions that the Tesla nation want to know so that we can be Accurate and speak with authority It's not going to happen, let's move on Four yeah. radical plans to save the planet, go This was a kind of a cute article. I can't quite tell if I can take it seriously or if it's tongue-in-cheek, but it comes from Wired.com, and it talks about four of the kind of phantasmagorical plans for cleaning up the environment. This is going carbon negative. One is called carbon vacuums. And we've kind of touched on this in the past, where you hoover up the greenhouse gases that are making Earth all hot and bothered, uh, which the only problem is, is that, you know, reduce comes before recycle. And the amount of energy it takes to capture carbon dioxide, which is like three one-hundredths percent of our atmosphere. Oh, but it's going up all the time. Yeah, it is. But still, <laughs> it's like hundredths of a percent. It's going to take an enormous amount of energy. The second one they had was salt-spraying ships, a fleet of boats that could take the ocean water and aerosolize it high up into the clouds, making basically clouds that reflect more sunlight. Uh, That was, you know, an idea that I've heard about in the past. But the question is, how much do these things like irreversibly change our environment? And I think the faster or the, the farther along we get towards catastrophic climate change, people will start looking at these things. The third one was sparkle blasting balloons. So shooting sulfuric acid or sulfur dioxide into the stratosphere with balloons, either planes or artillery shells, and they fill the sky with these sparkles to deflect sunlight and cool the planet. And the fourth one was supersized space mirrors. And this is something that's being worked on at the Lawrence Livermore National Lab here in California, which is kind of a pretty... Prestigious place. They, you know, they've got like a cup they've got like an element named after them. Berklinium, I think it was. So they've found a number of elements. This is like a big place. And they're talking about a feasible plan for creating this colossal mirror that would shade the planet and cool the planet. You could have like
0: totality wherever you
1: wanted it, whenever you wanted it. There are a uh, couple of good TED Talks on this,
2: and you're hearing this more and more, which is a little bit upsetting from some of these experts saying it's too late. We have to basically start uh, changing cities and accept the fact that we've irreversibly changed – well, yeah. we have for a very long time irreversibly changed uh, the climate – and we are getting to the point where we are going to have to try some of these radical things or we're screwed. And it's kind of frightening. As much as we want to prevent this, and we should, and we should not stop, and we should go faster, a lot of these experts are saying it's not going to be enough.
0: Let me ask you this question. We currently have a couple of cities underwater that are about to go through trillion-dollar rebuilds. Yes, mm-hmm. like there Houston some There's some, there some islands out there that are about to go through the same sort of thing. They're there are caribbean islands that need to be completely rebuilt should we do it yeah. should we rebuild houston should we rebuild these low lying coastal areas or should we just be like these areas are, are are you don't no one lives here anymore
2: very smart people are saying at the very least you do not
1: rebuild them in the same manner you have to rebuild as if this is going to be an event which happens all the time well the issue is really important when you look at the cost shifting of that rebuild. So I support and I feel my heart goes out to so many people that I either know or don't know who were caught in these storms. But to rebuild in the same place does seem kind of crazy. What's even more crazy is not mandating flood insurance that will cover losses in giant storms like this. So, so many people... But how do you, how do you mandate that? You don't get a mortgage or a loan to rebuild your house unless you pay and it's expensive. What if your house is paid off? Well, but now you're going to want to get a loan to refix your house. I mean, if you have cash and you're just going to pay for your house to get rebuilt, fine. But that's like, a very small number of people in the big mix. There's a lot of people in Houston who are just making it, just got their first house. But you're also
0: talking about a situation, and they started to talk about this in the Caribbean. I was listening to a story on NPR yesterday where they were talking about these group insurances Mm -hmm. for islands, and they all sort of go in together, and the governments of these islands get the insurance, and they get the payout. The payout was really small, a couple of these islands had, and they were getting like $13 million was the number I heard, which is a joke. I mean, it's not even... Close to what it would cost to build infrastructure But what like in Houston, yes There is a gigantic cost Personally for each person But there's a massive infrastructure Cost that we're talking about Right. Rebuilding massive roadways And and, and electrical systems Sewer plants, all of the things That we sort of take for granted that live Underneath us and above us In our cities, is our municipality Supposed
1: to get flood insurance For all of that stuff? I mean, again not shift the cost. Make the cost of living in dangerous places higher and let economics settle this situation. So my wife grew up in a beach town on Cape Cod that, you know, most of the properties lie within 10 feet of sea level. That feels really dangerous. Now, but not then. No, that's true. I agree. But now times are changing. The world changes. And now what do we do? Do we encourage people? Say, hey, you know, if you want to stay here, you're going to have to pay more for insurance. And in fact, the flood insurance in that town has gone up like threefold or maybe four times. So that's giving Again, people the kind of, oh, my God, I should do something. And in fact, you cannot go without flood insurance if you have a mortgage.
0: But in that municipality, is your wife's family's property taxes, are did, did they go up? say, $1,000 a year to pay for municipal flood insurance, not just personal flood insurance?
1: No, but that is a very good question, and I'm hoping that somebody's talking about that now because, again, I think we need to start encouraging people to move to safer ground.
2: Yeah, there's uh, people on uh, the Outer Banks, a friend of mine who goes there every year. He was talking to some people who live there saying they can't get flood insurance at this point. Outer Banks of? Outer Banks of uh, North North Carolina. Carolina. Carolina
1: Saying um, the insurance companies say the risk now is just so high we can't cover it. And so, if their house gets swept away, they have a choice: pay out of pocket or move. No, they have another choice, and that is federal loans
0: through FEMA.
1: No, but FEMA is, is not what, flood insurance.
0: But FEMA is is emergency insurance like when there was an earthquake no, in Northridge, the when there was an earthquake in Northridge, FEMA was paying people helping people get low-interest loans to rebuild their homes. They are giving short-term money for people to replace the items that they lost. This was in Northridge. I don't know if this still happens in FEMA, but that's what... I lived through the Northridge earthquake. I got some money from FEMA.
2: Turns out that FEMA doesn't have enough money. Yeah, right. It turns out this is what smart people have projected for a long time, saying the cost of climate change is not billions of dollars. The cost is trillions of dollars, and we have never counted that cost, and we keep doing this, and now we're going to have to start paying
0: Back for what we have done. Okay, but an example of what I just said, right? So if we're saying we can't rebuild or people shouldn't live or there should be higher insurance costs in areas, I got news for you. This is not a Houston thing, a Florida thing, a North Mm -hmm. Carolina thing. If we got a hurricane similar to Irma coming into the Pacific, coming into Los Angeles with the storm surges, Mm -hmm. where we are right now... In this, at this very moment, is in a floodplain. The reason the L.A. River exists is because the L.A. Basin used to flood. Uh, the word is L.A. Basin. Yeah, like a bowl. Yeah, it holds water.
2: <laughs> so that's kind of a big deal. I was going to say, again, this brings up uh, what do we do and... A lot of people, smart people, I'm not talking politicians, have said you need to start adding this to the cost of running your economy. You have to not fund FEMA in the billions dollar range, but now into the hundreds to the trillion billion dollars range. And that means everybody, because this is going to happen more frequently and it's going to happen in Houston. LA one day is going to fall into the ocean because there's going to be a giant earthquake. We underfund these things because we don't really understand that this is now, these hundred year events are now year events. Or 1,000-year events. 1,000-year events are going to become more and more frequent. Right now, FEMA is so underfunded, we just have to get used to this. like taxes,
1: everybody, going to go up 10% because this is going to happen all the time. We have to rebuild entire infrastructure. Right. You know, the cost of infrastructure is a very big sort of elephant in the room that I don't think we're yet addressing. And I'm really glad, Mel, that you're bringing it up. I guess that's because you know about infrastructure and the events going on in Australia. Are you actually going to go to the Australia reveal oh wow it's so like to go it's in adelaide in september right it's uh, at the 11 ne- days from now
2: do you have a plane ticket <gasps> no but i could get one but i'm not going to <laughs>
1: neogen hornsdale wind farm september 29th 6:30 p.m. tesla Power pack celebration So is this
2: I assume The big thing We've been talking about Where we're going To South Australia We're bringing in The batteries It's going to help With the peak load problem And there's, there's a shifting. Of Yes There's a picture of says. Did they get it done
0: in time Where they have 11 more days <laughs> they're, if they're, you think
1: that they're not still working on it yeah. uh, You would be mistaken is my but, guess what I'm, what I'm curious about is the picture they show on the invitation Shows all of these white structures which are the battery packs Where's all the temporary housing for the guys and gals who are sweating it out Well I guess it's winter time also, going to spring But they're working very hard to get all those wires plugged in And all of that conduit yeah. and, where,
0: and where are the sheep, Mel?
1: Uh, I know, I don't see the shit in this picture It's fake news It's beautiful I'm <laughs> excited that they
2: might get this thing done in time I was worried sick that Elon was going to be $50 billion out of pocket Although that was probably, you know Yesterday's uptick in the stock price Could have paid for it But still, I'm worried Yeah This is very exciting Talk about
1: superchargers super, What's going on? Super, supercharging It's a moderate week for supercharging we have, It's a
0: not-so-super week Is what
1: he's trying to say Okay, not-so-super Moderate <laughs> It's a It's a week where we have Four new superchargers That's not a lot. I would like to see 40. Yes, me too. But they're all in the States, the ones that are opening. They are all in the United States, and one of them is very close to Mel and has 20 stalls. I wish
0: I would have known this one opened over the weekend. I would have driven by there because I was in the neighborhood. Yeah, so
1: I put in a picture. There's a Pano picture uh, from Thursday. I believe it's from Thursday when it was turned on and go live. There were people who are staking out this site. Uh, They were were looking at it. There were fences up. And then all of a sudden, without the lights of the bollards actually turning on, evidently it went live. And then they turned the lights on and there were Tesla people there taking photos and stuff. And there was a lot of confusion for me, at least, back and forth on the Tesla forum where I was like, I really want some confirmation. It looks like they're there. It looks like somebody's pulled in, but I wasn't sure if they were plugged in. And so I finally confirmed uh, and reread some of the posts. And yes, this. Burbank, um, what's it called? I think Burbank it's called Burbank, Town, Burbank Town, Center. Town Center. is live with 20 chargers on the top of a uh, parking lot. Evidently, it's a little bit challenging to get in. There's like two ramps. Yeah. You can end up on the wrong level. So if you look at the Tesla Motors forum, uh, you can see some more details. And hopefully it'll show up on the map app, because currently it is not.
0: There's a lot of stuff in the Burbank Town Center. There used to be an Ikea over there. There's a full-blown mall. I actually purchased my wedding rings at the Burbank Town Center. Wedding rings, plural?
2: I oh, guess blow I mean, you and yeah, the wife. Thank you very thinking much. I like He's, polyg- He's a polygamist. <laughs> i got to say, I'm on my fifth wedding ring at this point.
1: But, yeah, uh, that's fine. Mine,
2: I'm too fat. None I was just going to get tattooed. Anymore.
1: Anyway, so we have seven that went into construction, two in Australia, two in the States, Norway, Sweden, and New Zealand. The oh, Adelaide
0: what? one in Australia. Do you think that's uh, near the Tesla Power Pack celebration by any chance? Uh
1: Probably. I don't know. I think it's supposed to be at the wind farm, so how big I is think Adelaide, Mel? Is it huge? It's
2: about a million people. It's like a big country town, mate. But like Beautiful. size wise. A million people. But as oh, far as space spread out, it's
1: spread out. Thank you. Like <laughs> spread out so it holds about a million people. <laughs> it's it's about the size of a million
2: people. And one super, <laughs> one
1: supercharger here in the States entered permitting point. And so it was not such a super week, I agree. I did discover something though. The source that I use for the superchargers is a link through on the Tesla forum. And they've now created, or at least I've discovered, a Twitter feed. So if you're like super anxious, I I get some communications through twitter uh, by folks who are like you know i'm about to get my three i'm about to move should i move to this apartment building or that apartment building where's the supercharger going to be so you can go to at supercharge feed supercharge feed on the twitter on the twitter and follow the blow by blow of supercharger installation and opening etc and we think this is tesla run no it is not it's run by fan okay
2: well let 's go on and talk about charging because Christy Morgan sent us a note saying uh, if you go on to the tesla dot com blog forward slash supercharging they have this big announcement about how they are doing a rollout in downtown Chicago and Boston of urban superchargers and this is very exciting so the idea now is that you 're going to have your supercharger which is really fast and does you know up to theoretically one hundred and thirty five kilowatts but these New urban superchargers, we've been calling them metro superchargers, are now going to be uh, rolled out throughout the U.S. and throughout the world, one thinks. They're going to keep them down to about 72 kilowatts. But? But it's a guaranteed 72,
1: right? Yeah, because you're not sharing it. It's an individual plug. So if you're going to get 72, then obviously two of these... Would give you like one hundred and forty-four or one hundred and forty-five. That's good. That's good. That's true. Yeah,
0: but one of them gets you
1: seventy-two. And how many miles per hour is that? Well, how many? How often when you plug into a supercharger do you get more than seventy-two? Or not less than 72. I never do. Yeah, so it's like a 50-50 shot. I don't use the supercharger a lot, so I don't know. Yeah, well, I was actually there last night. I threw in a picture because uh, we'll talk about it later. But these are kind of cool. They're really sweet looking. In fact, they remind me of the original supercharger design. Have you guys been to the Hawthorne Design Center where there's a supercharger station? You know we have because we've been with you. Okay. That's right. We were all there for the battery event, and they have that huge monolith supercharger standing up in what was previously an infinity pool. This looks almost exactly like that. So this feels like, for me, Tesla is coming full circle and finally coming back to its original design. It's pretty slick.
0: Actually, this design makes me wonder why they do it the way they do it now, and I feel like it is because... Maybe the, the shape of it with the hose inside mm-hmm. does something to
1: kind of protect the hose from right. the elements. right? Or from other vehicles or trunk drivers. And
2: <laughs> not only are they doing these metro urban superchargers, but there's a software update. There's a picture on the webs of this software update, which says, here's the superchargers that are open, the stalls that are open. And now it'll tell you if it's one of the superchargers really fast. Theoretically It will well, for uh, It's one of these Urban ones Which is 72 kilowatts And how many are open So the software Is now starting To catch up With some of these New stations And some of these New metro stations
0: Does your software
2: Currently
0: tell you What superchargers Are open at a Like how many Four of twelve yes. When you yes. pull in It does okay. yeah, It does It
2: does It seemed to have Gone away for a while yeah. And then magically returned Yeah, yeah.
0: It was gone. You guys had it gone, and I checked it, and it existed for me, and I think that has a lot to do with my older car doesn't get access to the latest
1: updates. The other thing is that with this software update, I haven't seen it yet. When you plan a trip, it will route you potentially out of your way, like even a significant amount, like I wouldn't really want to. But if that means you can charge faster, like by using a metro charger or using a supercharger that actually has open stalls versus one that doesn't, it will route you accordingly. So you get to your destination faster.
2: I like this. Again, this is uh, superchargers, urban chargers. We've got big data now. So uh, let's go through The, the list of charges That you can do You can do a supercharger yeah. Really fast on the highway mm-hmm. You can do your Urban charger Which is still Pretty fast When you go to the mall For and an the, hour
0: That's your destination charger no, Or is that a, a different This situation? is a
2: fast 72 kilowatt Really fast Not quite as fast As a supercharger But okay. really fast Because you're in the You're living in an apartment Kind of thing Oh I got it Then you got your Destination chargers mm-hmm. Which is basically Just sort of A pretty fast charge Level at, 2 Level 2 At uh, the motel Or the hotel Where you're staying So mm-hmm. that's good. And uh, then you got your charging at home. So I was asking myself, where else can you do this? What other types of charging do we need? Okay, so we want all of them to be faster, of course. But I was thinking we need portable charging, right? Like on AAA for when your car breaks down. We already have that here in the US. AAA is sort of a, an auto group that you become a member of and you get lots of services. So AAA already has some of these deployable ones. But now I want charging for when I go camping, Tom. So this, to me, sort of would round it out. I'm going camping for a few days, Mm -hmm. and I want to charge up my car, and I want to sort of charge my campsite. And I was doing some math. Are you ready for this? Oh,
0: God, I'm so ready because this is why I would buy a Tesla electric truck if you could make this camping charging work.
2: Think of that. So now I've got my Tesla pickup truck. Okay. I put in the equivalent of something like five 350 watt panels, which doesn't take up that much space in my truck. Is
0: that the size of the panel that's on my roof? Exactly.
2: Two by four. It's uh yeah. It's there, sixty inches uh, long, and uh, I can't remember the exact numbers, but I'll tell you how much it is when you get five of them together, because I did that over the weekend. So you get five of these together, right? That will give you about 17 kilowatt hours a day if you lay it out, and it's a good sunny day with about uh, 10 hours of sun. Uh, this is about 10 by 10 square feet of area. So you could see I'm at the campsite, 10 by 10. I'll put my panels uh-huh. down. That would be enough for me to run my campsite and to give me about 50 miles of range per day. Wow. What's so that going to there- cost me? That I didn't do because this doesn't <laughs> exist yet because you're not only going to need the panels, you're going to need somehow to plug it in for storage and then charge your car because so, you can't plug them in directly into the car as yet.
0: Right. But so you have your panels. They're making 17 kilowatt hours a day. I yep. guess theoretically the only thing big enough at the moment to be able to take that amount of juice would be something akin to a power wall. Right. Right. So if you were doing this with a camper, and it seems like because you're talking about a 10 by 10 foot area, you'd need to put these panels on the roof of your trailer that you were pulling with your electric vehicle.
2: So you could yeah, put it on the top of your RV or Which... you could deploy it some way. I'm just saying this is the next step. You don't see this yet. Right. You see a little bit of this. You see it in the military. We did talk a few weeks ago about these roll-up ones where you basically roll it out, it pulls out like a you know rolly, right? And that can give you a significant amount of energy. That would sort of, for me, complete the loop,
0: right? But if you're so for me, if I'm an if I'm an overlander and I'm somebody, we talked last week about the leaf going ninety miles, you know, doing that ten thousand mile rally or yes. whatever. If I'm a leaf and every, you know, I have, I don't even know. Let's say I'm not a leaf. I'm an overlander, and I'm in the middle of the desert somewhere, and I'm going out for two or three weeks, and I'm doing, you know, 50, 60 miles a day. Will this work for me? I guess what I would have to say is I'm pulling a trailer. That trailer has two power walls built into it, or right, to get about this amount, and the 10 by 10 panels laid out flat. And as I'm driving... My 50 miles of that day, and I'm driving kind of slowly and I'm enjoying the scenery and I'm going through the muck and the mud or whatever. I'm charging my power wall, and then I get to camp that night and I plug my car back in to the trailer that I've been pulling that's light,
2: as lightweight as it could be. Although, aren't power walls really heavy? Yeah, They're pretty heavy. I'm just saying, this is a possibility. Another possibility is uh, in some of these campgrounds, which are way out there and there's no electricity. Tesla could come and just put up a solar array, a couple of batteries in there, and there's your uh, there's your charging capacity. So now mm-hmm. you're
0: saying that Tesla's going to put chargers in uh, out-of-the-way areas?
1: No, I think campsites could do this, right? Campsides K.O.A. Could KOA could start investing in some of Right? They're sort not typically tip-ies.
0: out in the middle of nowhere, K.O.A.s, though. Not What's a K.O.A.? Campground of America. It's a giant corporation. RV corporation. Mm-hmm. No, I
2: can see this happening As the price of these batteries come down The price of solar is already yeah, dropping right. We get to the point where this becomes Economically feasible for campgrounds To start to do this yeah. Particularly with the battery The solar I think is now cheap enough to do it The battery price, as it keeps coming down You're going to start seeing these deployed everywhere Is my theory
0: So five 350 watt panels Will make 17 kilowatt hours A day of energy?
2: Uh, Yes, and I can
1: do the math, but we if, won't do if, it live. If the hours of the if day you a lot of and, and the sun. The and So I looked, and LG has like a 350, 370-watt panel, but it's not coming out till 2018. There are a lot of panels out on the market. They're typically—they they jump up in price. They almost double if you're trying to get above 200 or 220 watts per panel. And they're all a standard size to fit the racks that go on our roofs. Um this is exciting. I think it's a great idea. There's lots of flexible panels out there as well. Yeah, they're so
2: a lot less efficient. So like just rolling efficient. it up. Yeah, true. they're a lot
1: less efficient. But yeah, that's the that's the pull it out like a Imagine woof. it fits in a tube that sits on the rack on your roof. And when you get to where you're going, you just roll it out like a window shade, stake it in the ground. You've parked your car in the right orientation. Yep. And bam, you don't even have to haul, lift, anything. You can just have this thing roll out like a window shade. But I
0: have... 20 plus panels on my roof, Uh and I produce 18 kilowatt hours. You've
2: probably got, I'm talking the most efficient panels of the 350, the sort of, um, what's their group that does? Next gen, LG. LG has them, but also I have them on grandpa's house. uh, Are they that much more efficient than the
0: ones that I personally? like? You're talking about a quarter of the amount of panels making just as much electricity.
2: Well, again, I'm doing best case scenario. So, uh, 350 watt panel times fires about 17 kilowatts. Right. 10 hours, perfect situation. 10 hours in the middle of summer
1: times 10 is 17 kilowatts. Warning, hours. Will Robinson, warning. That's, you know, 350 watts, watts is at high noon. Yep. Perfect orientation, clean panel, Mm -hmm. not overheated. It's an ideal. It's an ideal situation. So you're really not going to get there. You know, we talk a lot about the numbers of what could be produced and what, you know. I would love to have a primer. And this is something maybe could come from. Gordon at Solar City, or somebody who does solar panel installations over a broad region, to give real world numbers. Because Solar City, I was really impressed when they came out to give me my quote at my house. They basically uh, could, or Gordon could drop panels on my roof, which he had already like entered in what's the pitch of the roof using Google Maps for orientation to the sun with shading and such. They can come up with an estimate within like 5% of what your panels will produce in a year. That's pretty
2: amazing. There's a lot of calculators now. So again, I was doing best case scenario. But let's move on because China is going to get a thousand superchargers. This is from Tesla, right? We love those guys. There's going to be a lot of superchargers in China. That's good because that uh, electric car market is about to explode and Tesla clearly wants to cash in on it. But let's talk about Mars This is another article, quick one from Teslarati, which is about uh, the fact that uh, in Boca Chica in Texas, Tesla is building this pad, and I wanted to get an update. They're building a pad. They're having some problem with the soil, apparently.
1: Yeah, so it turns out when they were doing their soil assessments that the ground was sinking under the heavy weight. So they basically had to bring in, and I remember we talked about this. I sort of recall it was something like uh, if you took 300 football fields— like a foot thick or six inches thick, that amount of soil needed to be brought into this pad area. And they're restricted where they can do this pad because there obviously can't be any downsite structures and people. And that's the reason that they picked this southernmost tip of Texas.
0: You can't launch rockets over people unless you're in North Korea.
1: That's true. (laughs) So they brought in 700 million pounds of Earth. And I guess within the Tesla, uh, I should say SpaceX community, they joke around as this being the dirt pile. And they've been packing this dirt down. They're moving a lot of dirt in. And uh, this is going to be the place you fly to. Before you get on a rocket to go to Mars, what? what? This is going to be the Mars spaceport. It's very exciting. It's very exciting. So they talked about in this article, which comes from Tesla Roddy, about how Launch Complex Forty—that's where Tesla had the unexpected rapid deceleration or de- uh, uh, dismemberment, dismemberment of, was. Of, of one of their rockets when one of the you know internal helium tanks. Got whatever dislodged. And so LC 40 has been damaged, but they're expecting to use it, uh, start using it again next month. Then they're going to switch over to LC 40 and they're going to take LC 39A, Launch Complex 39A, which is where the space shuttle's gone off from. They're going to use that site. The launch engineering team is going to sort of dismantle that site and make it ready for Falcon Heavy and that's going to require a much heavier pad. They're going to have to finish removing that space shuttle structure that that's there. They've been slowly dismantling it, but they'll finish that. And then, starting in 2018, they're going to shift their focus to the Texas facility to get it ready for whatever will be the interplanetary launch vehicle, which still hasn't been completed or revealed. We've only seen these like little pictures with the maybe Raptor engine or maybe 42 Falcon 9 engines. But until they actually know what they're going to launch, uh, they don't know how they need to build that complex. We're
2: going to hear a lot more about this when Elon is at the Oronautical Congress in Adelaide mate. In September he's going to do his uh, update of how we're getting to Mars. So that's going to be very exciting. But quickly tell us about what's the launch manifest
1: uh, for the coming months because there's a lot. October 2nd is the next Falcon 9 launch. That's going to be from Launch Complex 39A before they take it offline. Uh, It's a geotransfer orbit for an Echostar satellite and it's called SES- Eleven, It's for a Luxembourg company. Then October 4th, only two days later, they're going to launch from Vandenberg that Iridium-3. That's the group of 10 satellites that's being used for this global uh, communications system. And that, I think you boys are going to be going to. That's the plan. Yeah, I'm going to be tied up in a conference. And then October 14th, so we got three in October, we're going to have another uh, launch from Launch Complex 39A. This one's 40, actually. Actually, 40. Yeah. Actually, the one on the second is listed as being either Complex 40 or 39A. I guess they haven't made a decision yet. It's a coin flip. Yeah. Well, like we're talking about, if they're going to have 40 ready or not, I guess the exciting thing about October 2nd is we'll know which Launch Complex we're going to be using. That is exciting. Yeah. And so back to October 14th, the Falcon 9 going to launch a KoreaSat satellite uh, from Launch Complex 40. So that one is definitely slated for 40, at least on the manifest. Then there's going to be a couple more in November, including the demo flight. Of the Falcon Heavy from 39A, mm. which they're going to go back to once they shore it up for the Falcon Heavy. It's a short shoring period from it is. October to November. Yeah. A Dude, if you work for SpaceX or you work for Tesla, you're not getting a lot of days off. You're not, you're not relaxing. You're that sounds terrible. Humping it. Let's, let's talk about a uh, Hyperloop. It's so boring. Hyperloop has not been on our radar lately. Although there was the competition recently, we did talk about how the Europeans really took home the bacon so to speak. Mm-hmm. Now uh, it's been announced the 2018 SpaceX Hyperloop competition and teams are able to register. I picked this up from the Colorado team. Uh, in It's called Denver Hyperlinks, L-Y-N-X. You can look them up online. They're very excited about it. They didn't think they were going to do it because SpaceX has upped the ante. This time there will be no pusher. No pusher. Bring your own pusher, people. So the pods not only have to travel fast in a vacuum with communications and braking, they have to propel themselves. I'm
0: using my Model 3 sled for my Hyperloop entry. Are you? Mm-hmm.
1: I'm excited. Can I help? Going to
0: be. No.
1: Should we all meet at your uh, garage next week? That'd be so awesome, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody, come to town. We're going to have pizza. No beer because we want to be able to make a good pusher. <laughs> anyway, so this team had to go through a pretty significant catharsis because they're going to need to raise money and they're going to need more expertise. And they've decided after kind of modeling what it's going to look like, uh, they're going to go for it. So I wonder how many teams are going to show up. The last time, only two teams showed up to the competition. And Tesla is continuing, or I should say SpaceX. Why do I do that? SpaceX is continuing to push the envelope on this and push people to go further. And I wonder how long will it be until we have a Hyperloop in the boring tube going like from Tesla to LAX in 40 seconds. From it
0: seems like such a waste
1: I know But <laughs> so you know sure. All of this is about demonstration I know. And pushing the technology And there's a lot of foreign governments mm-hmm. That are pledging money And zoning etc To the other Hyperloop commercial companies. Yeah. So this, I think, is really exciting. I spent
0: some time on the subway over the weekend to get down to the Coliseum. And yeah. 40 seconds from my house to the Coliseum would be pretty baller.
1: It'd be pretty Wouldn't gross. that be amazing? How much would it open up, uh, you know, the city and reduce? Like, who wants to drive a car? If you can zip really quickly. Like, I don't. You got to go to San Diego. Boom. It's like what? You take the train? I'm there. It's only two times a day, and you have to be on their schedule. And yeah. ugh, I would love to have a hyperloop. So, if you're interested in supporting team hyperlinks, uh, we'll throw the link in there. You can throw some bucks their way. I think this is an exciting way to sort of stay kind of in the game, in the loop, as it were. Oh,
2: oh you missed your perfect opportunity. Before we do us, over. I've got one more thing that I want to talk about. And what? this is from Electric. Oh, it's the biggest battery i've ever seen so two swiss companies have a dump truck and they uh want to dump things in that dump truck but it carries a lot of heavy things a lot of heavy rocks from a mine and so they have just this 20, 20 700 kilowatt hour battery 700 kilowatt hour battery it's crazy they say look these kind of trucks eat 50 to hundred thousand liters of diesel a year that's a lot and so they retrofitted one of these big bad boys with a giant battery. This battery weighs 4.5 tons. The truck weighs 45 tons. And it holds 65 tons. Oh! And so the idea here is this is actually going to end up saving the money, they believe, a lot of money over time. So you take your truck with a big battery and you drive it up the hill. And you fill it full of all of the rocks and the minerals that you need. And then on the way down, it regenerates. But because you're using the potential energy of the rocks that are up the top of the hill, it actually makes way more energy than when it went up the hill really so this charges itself most of the time isn't that amazing
0: fascinating so this thing is 590 kilowatt electric motor producing 800 horsepower 9500 nms of torque yeah,
2: that's just, I don't know what that is, but Newton that sounds meters. like a lot. It seems like a, what is it?
0: <laughs> Newton meters. Oh, Newton meters. That's a well, lot. Add that lot of, to our that's calculations. A, that's a lot of Newton meters. Fourteen hundred and forty prismatic
1: NMC cells for a battery pack weight. Of four and a half tons. Yeah. And they're going to use these newer nickel manganese cobalt cells, which are evidently the, quote, German automobile industry's next generation. Good for them. Yeah. And it says here, I love this, it says the electric dumper truck will harvest more electricity while traveling down than it needs for the ascent. Instead of consuming fossil fuels, it will then feed surplus electricity into the grid 10 kilowatt hours Per descent So I can imagine now You have your truck You're driving it And you go Oh we got to plug in Not to charge up To
2: uncharge It's so crazy So if this works Then they've got At least
1: eight more Of these gigantic trucks That they're going to retrofit This is pretty cool Yeah check out the website It cost them a million bucks Oh, yeah. these things are hugely expensive. and No, to do
0: the retrofit, it yeah, cost yeah, yeah. them a million bucks. But I wonder what 100,000 liters
1: of diesel fuel costs. Over yeah.
2: time, when you keep doing it year after year, it's a lot of money.
1: I'm sure they're not doing it purely for environmental purposes. They're, they're doing no, this sure for the not. money. They're a mining company, bro. Yeah, I know. <laughs> the truck is so big, it, you have to climb a staircase to get in it. There's a great picture of it on yeah. uh, the second article that I threw in. Let's do some letters here, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. And the first one is a very long letter, and it's mostly a love note to uh, Robert from Jason Webster. Oh, it's a love. Thanks, Jason. You know, um, stretching ourselves to sustainability, we talked about how hard it is for people to afford a gas car versus an electric car. And I was talking about how much of a stretch it was for me to buy the first Tesla and how ludicrous it was for me to buy the second Tesla. But we are not going to the gas station anymore. And for me, that helps me to sleep At night, I feel good about myself and I'm willing to play in the sandbox of sustainability. It costs money.
0: So, Jason stretched. He got a Model S. His family uses it for vacation. They get all four of them and all their stuff in there. He also told you not to worry too much about all-wheel drive for your son's model three
1: yeah no he gave me this great uh there's a paragraph in there about going to a school to learn how to drive in the snow and which snow tires to use and promptly upon seeing this i sent it to my son and i said hey buddy give this some thought now that you know there's still no snow on the ground and the last thing i want is for him to be uh snowbound, snow hurt snow accidented
0: now that you're a winter liver yeah you get to work
1: now you made the You know, poor decision to live in a place where uh, (laughs) precipitation comes into solid form. Uh, I don't like that. One of the guys I work with said, you know, a good afternoon in a snowy parking lot? that's empty is a great place to learn how to drive a a car in the winter. And I thought...
0: Sounds like fun. Yeah,
1: I did that. (laughs) I actually did that when I was in Denver. It was fantastic. But then I also spent a fair amount of time on the mountain roads up and down to uh, Big Bear in my little MGB, learning how to drive in the snow. And, you know, in retrospect, not such a good idea when there's like rocks and and, uh, lack of ground surface where you could spin out. And, and, you know, what can I say? Kids... Kids, kids. Be, be safe. Hey, Max Hedron
2: says, uh, can I afford a Tesla? Look, I looked in the price estimator on Teslanomics for the Model 3 and just focus on the payments. Okay. Uh, zero options. To, and uh, he comes out with a payment over 60 months of $681 payment. Painful. And he says, I don't know many people who aren't making hundred grand or more are going to be able to really afford this. A lease option would be really good. But have we seen any lease options
0: not yet, but they're gonna be the same pricing. So if you go and configure a Model S, yes, for what you think you're gonna be able to configure your Model Three, or if it's double, cut it in half. That's what you're probably looking at for the lease. There's not gonna be some special weird pricing, is it's, my guess.
2: Is it not interesting that we have seen nothing about leasing so far for a Model Three?
0: I don't think it's that interesting, to be honest with you, because it's like the cost is the cost, right? The price of the car is sixty. If you go and you look at what the cost of a $60,000 Model S, which is basically a bare-bones Model S, you can see how much it would be a mm-hmm. month to lease That's Tom's
2: that advice. Go on to the Model S configurator thing and try and work out your Model 3 leasing cost. Or
0: you can call your local leasing company. Mm-hmm. You know, and see what what their leasing costs would be, basically.
1: I have a question. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm not totally clear, but if a listener went to the Tesla CPO site, uh-huh. leased a car, bought a car... You can't
0: buy a car, uh, lease
1: a car on the CPO site. Okay. Well, there's an answer. The question that I have is, can they use our referral code?
0: I don't believe referral codes work for
2: CPOs. I'm not Sure. Tom Wills says, uh, here's a deadly illustration of following too closely. And it's just a terrible picture of cars and trucks that had just been smashed up. So I don't know why you sent that to me, Tom. It made me very upset. Well, he
0: talks about close following a tractor trailer, right? So when we talk about this all the time, if you get, and I see this, I was on the freeway the other day and this car jammed up on the right side of me. There was a tractor trailer in front of it. It Mm. got within four feet of the tractor trailer. And it was a little tiny car, so there's no way the tractor-trailer knew he was there within four feet of the tractor-trailer before going around him. Don't do that. Don't. If you're close enough to the back of a semi-truck where you cannot see their mirrors, you are too close.
1: Yeah, and they don't see you and they turn and bam.
0: Right. Or if something gets in front of them, they're going to stop on a dime.
1: You don't want to be there. What I learned from this is that this all happened when one of the tires in the front of the truck blew out. And truck tires are different than car tires. They basically load this bias, non-radial tire. It's a stiff tire on the rim. And the rim which is the metal thing that's in the center, has a band that fits around the outside of it. It's like really like a springy band that fits on there. When the tire blows out, that band can blow off. So you can basically have this round projectile shooting at you laterally across a lane. If you're in autopilot, this is an autopilot tip. If you're in autopilot and your car is just hanging next to a semi and not getting away from it front or back, that's not a good thing.
2: Yes, I don't like those large trucks because uh, their uh, momentum is uh, significantly greater than yours. Just give them space. They're doing a lot
0: of room. They're doing important work. And if you can, if you're at full highway traffic speed, just give them some space.
2: Jason uh, Leary Leahy. Uh, Leahy says, uh, go check out this uh, fully charged article. It's about vehicle-to-grid charging, and Red Dwarf Season 2 starts October 12th, which is the most important thing.
0: What That was more important than vehicle-to-grid charging uh, as far as you were concerned. Red Dwarf started. is pretty
2: okay. cool. John Erickson says it's pretty amazing when he bought a P eighty five back in the day, it went zero to sixty in four point two seconds and had two hundred and sixty five miles of range. Now he can go get a seventy five D, which basically has the same acceleration and basically has the same range. And that's only happened in the last few years. So the technology keeps moving forward. Smaller yeah. battery, more efficient car. He's very excited. Well
0: one's a P non D and the mm-hmm. other one's a D. So they're, 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 there's that little additional dual motor efficiencies
1: yeah. that you're getting. Yeah, dual there. motor was a huge deal when it yeah. came out. And that's been like, I think, close to three, three years. years. I wonder if they'll go quad motor and make it even better.
0: You know, there are companies that have considered that motor on every wheel. Right.
1: There's been a few prototypes that I've seen. It's being used by conversion Shops. So if you want to convert a car to electric, it's in many cases less expensive to throw these hubs on the end of the axle and not have to mess with the steering. I'm not sure how well it actually works, but if you want to convert like your cool uh, classic car. My 62 Barracuda. Yeah, to all electric and maybe have it really rip on the road faster than it was before. That'd be that could cool. be pretty cool, huh? That'd be pretty awesome. Jason Leahy also has another
2: one here that is about these microgrids, and he sends us a, a video from Computer World about this one in Brooklyn, which is where Brooklyn! through smart technologies, these people in Brooklyn sort of are having some solar panels on the house, but the neighbor can't have it, and they're linked up. So you're actually buying electricity from the person next door. And these kind of microgrid technologies, I think you're going to see more and more of this, again, distributed energy within houses to within small groups to within sort of boroughs. It's all very interesting. With
0: batteries, right? So you have this backup. whole sort of democratization of the grid where if you live in a neighborhood or you live in a big – like in Manhattan, for instance, you live in a big house – Or a big apartment building You can all get together Fill the basement with power walls or whatever And be the building that's lit up uh, when blackout comes
2: Patrick Wiggins says uh, You know, we talk a lot about Scotland on the show And uh, there's this article that says That Scotland is officially the most beautiful country in the world And I've always said, Patrick If it's not Scottish, it's crap Yeah, And this article agrees
1: Is California a country?
2: California is a country. It's, it's pretty becoming, darn beautiful.
1: It's becoming a country. That's all know. I'm saying. <laughs> Governor, governor's supposed to sign a bill. You know, the legislature just closed. Governor's supposed to sign a bill that is a sanctuary state. Mm. And since we supply the federal government with something like thirty percent of its taxes, no, I don't know. I don't. The actually federal, know what the at some point, is. the federal
0: government's going to be like, all right, California, sanctuary state. You guys got all the weed. Uh, what are you doing out there? Right. Why are you thumbing your
2: noses upon us? Because we have a lot of the uh, immigrants working. Pat in Virginia says, Mel, uh, try and understand this, mate. You're as dumb as dog poop. <laughs> the Tesla Model 3 will be a mass market car in volume, even though it's not a mass market car in terms of price. And he hits me with this. And I don't know mm-hmm. if this is true. I didn't, check, I didn't fact check Pat. But he says the Toyota Camry sells 425000 a year. And the Model 3 is going to at least be that number, if not exceed it substantially. For sure. Yeah,
0: I mean, but then there's also, you know, the Nissan version of the the Camry. That's the thing, man. There's a, As we know, we've talked about it over and over and over and over and over again. We've got to replace a lot of cars, not a half a million a year. Uh, that's true.
2: That's true. And he says to Robert, uh, this idea of driving your uh, car around in the wet is a bad idea because Tesla says that uh, you
1: can't flood your battery. It's bad for it. Right. So that was from the Nissan that did the Mongol, Mongol. rally. Yep. And uh, I don't know what they did to change or modify or protect their battery. But it reminds me that there's a pictures online of a guy in Florida who bagged his Tesla. He, he was in an area that was starting to flood. He got a bag big enough to enclose his Tesla and saved his car. So <laughs> let me get it. am I'm, I'm but this
0: is like this is what I'm picturing. There's a giant Ziploc bag, yes. right? And he his family is on either side of it holding <laughs> holding it open, right? And then he drives Snacks into it. Into it. He drives he drives into it and then they raise the bag around the, the top of it and then there's a the big zipper along the top. That is pretty amazing. I want to see a picture of your bag to Tesla.
2: Oh, yeah. I don't know if it was a Ziploc, but that's a great idea. There is actually a number of photos of people in Florida before the hurricane got there doing some really interesting things to save their cars. One of them I saw was the guy drove his car into the living room, (laughs) (laughs) opened up the double doors of the house, drove the car, and he was like, I want my car. And if you
0: fill the bag with air... Could you get your Tesla to
2: just float, float? on float. top of the <laughs> It would have to be water. a big bag. Wow. It's a heavy car. Wow. Uh, ben Brown says, uh, Got a question. Since they unlock these um, batteries for the people in uh, the hurricane prone areas, uh-huh. what about unlocking these uh, 60s to 75 or you know, maybe one day when they're all hundreds? Yeah. When you go on holiday. I like that idea. To rent it out. Hey, I, I want to rent some extra range. I think we discussed I think this. We did I don't talk know about what that.
0: show it is, but I think it would be awesome if you bought a 60. And it had a 75 battery, or you had a 75 battery, and it had actually a 90 in it. And when you were crossing the country, you said, hey, how about for this week, can I have the extended battery life? I don't see why Tesla would not want I
2: don't it. think they would do that because people would... Quickly work out. I really don't need the capacity of this thing, and so I'm not going to pay the extra money up front. I'll get the smallest thing I can and just use it when I need. But they're already putting
0: the batteries in the car. Like they could limit it. They could say you get three times a year
2: or something. I like do. That. I love the concept, but I just I haven't thought about the finances Stephen Peters Peters says I'm sick of waiting for Roberts' stupid video about all the adapters, <laughs> and I'm in Europe, so I made my own. And he you sent us a be link. Crying. The best part about it is that I get to give him literally every show now it's great it's been fun for me (laughs) james mott uh, is the geek super geek who came out with an alexa skill so that you can ask questions about uh, the status of your car and he's made another one i'm going to try it after the show for google home so that i can just sort of go up to my google home and say hey what's the charge status of my my car and it'll tell me
0: when we moved to the new studio we we switched from alexa to home and since mel's in charge He made the decision for us. Thank you. I
1: would like to just be able to say, uh, Google, is Mel's car fully charged? Because would you have mine plugged in now, please? Uh, That'll be cool. Actually,
2: you know, another thing I was talking about, thinking about with the uh, Tesla batteries and the charging Mm -hmm. situation, we talk about a vehicle to grid. Mm -hmm. How about this concept? Tesla, work on this. Mm -hmm. How about car to car? Let's say... Tom and I are out camping and I meet him and Tom goes, you know what? I uh, don't really have enough charge to get home. And I'm like, well, I'm full, mate. Let me give you a couple of kilowatt hours. Plug my car into your car. Boom. How's that for an idea? Well, I'll take you,
1: it. If you both have unlimited supercharging or you both lack unlimited supercharging. I'll go charge it from it. the supercharger yeah, and exactly.
2: then I'll... I'll Put it into Tom's car. I'm just saying that could be a cool thing too.
0: Or that's like the 2040 version of siphoning gasoline from people.
2: Sure. Gasoline. Craig Williams says, mate, uh, I'm in a parking lot in Dallas and there's all of these cars, these S's and these X's, and he's saying, I thought these were built to order. It looks like they're just building these and stick them in a parking lot. But I don't know if these were built for people and waiting for delivery. It could be.
0: It's probably a combination of both because on the Tesla website, you got your custom order. Yeah. You got your ready-for-purchase new cars. Yeah. And you got your CPO cars because I think what happens is they know mostly what features most people are going to get, the most popular colors in an area. And it turns out that we're all sort of creatures of habit. If we live in an area where almost everybody's driving a black Tesla, we're like, hmm, I sure would like a black Tesla. And that's how that that sort of works. So they're just trying to get them in position. Plus, you know, they have to keep the assembly lines going at full speed, right? They don't want to have gaps in it. And if there isn't a custom order, what are they supposed to do? Just like, sit around. Yeah, stop and wait. So it, it just happens.
1: And so when I, like I said, was at the Centinella Service Center, I saw four Transport trucks deliver What would amount to 36 cars And I saw one load up with CPO cars, another nine So that's, you know, 45 cars Going in and out In a period of about two hours Was an electric semi by Tesla by chance? Negative. No, No.
0: Mel, that doesn't exist yet You should Uh, be listening to this show Paying some attention
2: Mary Peck's got questions about rear-wheel drive And front-wheel drive for the Tesla and all-wheel drive And I think we sort of talked about this a little bit In general, my understanding is uh, if you're in the snow, you want to, at least you want a front wheel drive because that works better in the snows and the ices than a rear wheel drive. Uh-huh. But best of all is to have all wheel drive.
0: Right. That's what she said. L- or take one of these snow driving classes that we learned about in a letter a couple of seconds ago mm-hmm. and get some good snow tires yeah. uh, for your vehicular needs. Right.
2: Corey Boiling says. Or some bowling. S- bowling. I mean, it's
0: cool. The I's after the L.
2: I don't know. I can't read, mate. Um, <laughs> yeah. Says, look. There's these things called ETFs.
0: Exchange Traded Funds is what that stands for. Can
2: you give us the 30-second summary of what the hell are exchange traded funds? Because I don't know anything about investing. It's like a group of
0: stocks that aren't a mutual fund. They trade like stocks, so they're much more liquid in and out. That's basically what they are. They're sort of easy, low-impact mutual funds.
2: Okay. There you go. Tom knows everything. And he wants
1: to know about green and renewable ones.
2: Yeah, okay. Yeah, so you sort of bunch a couple of these things together and you get your green renewable ones. All right, good. Um, John Burek. I wanted to give it a chance, but now I know. Burick. Burek. Could Burick. Could Burek. could be Burek. could be Burek. Baruch. It Hey, he's got a picture here of uh, charging. Now, I've sort of thrown it out there. I've never seen maximal theoretical oh my rate charging.
0: Goodness. And is John here
2: got up to 102 kilowatts. So he was doing, if he continued that rate, 412 miles of range per hour. So and the 102 is good, but last week we had a 118.
0: Right. But the interesting thing, and I don't remember what last week's uh, f- the charging photo of the day was, <laughs> but he's only at 24%. So he's not even at full zero. He still is, is probably rocking 80, 90 miles of range that he has left here. Right. And he's getting pretty good speed. So that's pretty sweet.
1: And it was interesting that I saw this when I got home after being at work. I had to charge up really quick to make it home. And so I went to the Oxnard Supercharger, plugged yeah. in just last night, mm-hmm. and I took this picture thinking of Mel that I was at 108 kilowatts. This
2: is much better than it was a charging few months rate. ago. But this the interesting thing about, like,
0: look at these two things, these two images, right? So yes. that one car's at 24%, but it's not
1: miles, so I don't know what that means. Yeah, You're but if at- you look at the thermometer of the of the battery pack, John and I were at about the exact same Charge amount in our battery, You're at
0: 108. Oh, yeah, I guess that's true. Right, right, right. You're visually, if you look at it visually, you're about the same charge amount. State of charge. Although his state of charge uh, indicator is set for full charge. He does not have his limiter on in the middle. He's at 102 kilowatts. You were at 108, and he was driving 412
1: an hour, and you were only getting 348 an hour. Yeah, that's really interesting, and I'm not sure how... That makes any sense whatsoever. What is the plus 23? Since you plugged in, you, that's oh, how that's much same.
2: you've uh, added. Yeah.
1: Uh, so this is Basically, good. Basically, I was at like 50 miles, and I had a 56-mile
2: trip. Yeah. Let's continue this, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. See if anybody out there can break. I believe our record, i to go back and check, is 118 kilowatts.
0: But what? how fast, how many miles per hour of charge? Because that's all anybody cares about. At the end of the day, yeah. no one cares. Oh, I'm at 150. How fast? How many miles per hour of charge am I getting, and how sustained is that?
1: Yeah, I don't know. That calculation does not seem to be very linear. It seems to be Correct. kind of
0: scattered. Scattered, nonlinear calculations.
2: Speaking of this uh, sort of calculating range, Mike Martin's got a pretty long email here that says, basically, he drives a lot. And he's really not sure how accurate that rated range is on uh, the car. And this is true on all of them, the Bolt, the Leaf, the tester. It seems like they do a lot of calculations about how much range you've got in your car. And it seems to be at least in part, depending on how you've been driving recently, and grandpa's who got the bolts is the same thing it's so like some days it says you know i've got 240 miles and the other days it says i've got 230 and i'm like it varies on uh, how i've driven
0: right well it's how he's driven the temperature the soc the real live soc the other interesting is he's that mike sends he's done 100,000 kilometers, which i think is 8 or 9 miles i'm not sure there's some <laughs> it's there, about 60,000 miles oh 60,000 that's that's helpful Uh, And he's had no battery degradation, and he charges 6 out of 7 days a week to 85% of state of charge, and one day he charges to 100%. So that's pretty cool, and he's done this where he changes, when he charges to 100%, he drops the amps a little bit to maybe give his battery a little bit of a break. So he's trying some interesting things, and he's got no degradation after 60,000 miles.
2: The second part of this uh, letter seems to me to be fake news of some form. <laughs> I don't know what it is, uh, but it's conspiratorial. What is the name of this thing? What is it? I can't work this out. Kish Magrav? I, which don't know. I thought
0: it's like a
1: perpetual energy machine. Which I
0: thought was a Brazilian fighting style, yeah. to be honest <laughs> with you. Krav Krav
1: Magrav. Maga- Krav Maga- yeah. 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 So this I looked it up and I went to their website and then I read this and I I, I I'm sorry. I'm having a hard time. <laughs> I don't <laughs> the, know what the, this is. Ke, the quiche, quiche, quiche magrav. Let's call it a quiche McGrath. Quiche McGrath. This power supply harnesses the background plasma field that lies behind everything we experience and makes it available to power your house or dramatically improve the oh, fuel economy.
2: It is blah, crap. Blah, 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 blah. Such BS.
1: I heard harness background and I was thinking of the studio and the excess methane. methane. Yeah, I started to read fake. this
0: and it seemed it's a very detailed, it's a very detailed website if it's something that isn't real. I don't understand. You plug This thing into your house is what I could gather And after a while you leave it plugged in And after a while it kind of coats The eye coats something In the ions and those things Become a perpetual you know last Last
1: last week I had a patient he was Sitting we're gonna get a letter that says it's not And he just kept going through pencils And he was writing and writing And the nurses kept giving him paper and writing And writing and he wrote a whole lot of stuff too. manifesto that 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 sort of Sounded a little bit like what was going on on this Website all right um thanks mike, thanks man yeah thanks mike for the uh for the details if it's
2: too good to be true
1: it's too good to be true and you know he, he ends his uh email he says enjoy the show and sense of humors you uh, fellas make a good team i think he was baiting us good on team high one. five,
2: uh, nice high five. Uh, michael <laughs> sullivan says look i was excited to hear about the boston urban supercharger and who wouldn't be But then he said, you know, the downside here is that the Prudential, where I guess this thing is uh, parked at, in the parking lot there, it's 12 bucks an hour for the first hour. That's a lot. So he said, considering that these are not as fast as superchargers, that's a bit of a problem, but they're still going to be really
1: fast. In an hour, you'll probably be able to charge your car to full in most circumstances. Yeah, that's a beautiful building. You know, it's the tallest building on the Boston skyscape, and the people who work in there probably own a few Teslas. And I'm sure that they're gonna make a bid for a lot of people there to buy Teslas. Remember, Tesla is into selling cars. Right. If you're already
0: parking there and you have a Tesla, you're stoked. Yeah. You're so bad. if you're not already parking there, find another way to charge your car. Yeah, you're Don't like, pay twelve bucks an hour.
1: You're like one of the two thousand brokers, traders, lawyers. You know, now you're gonna want a Tesla because you can charge up for free. And if you use Robert 3177 You can get
0: your supercharging wow, for free that in I mean I don't know why you'd want to use that one
2: <laughs> James Carey has this Beautiful picture of hot air balloons out of His uh, panoramic windshield of his Model X it looks spectacular I-, I couldn't catch whether or not this was Inside looking out or, or well, A reflection <laughs> The balloons are not in the car no,
0: I understand that but is it a, a wide shot looking out Of his car or is it reflections of the Balloons in the picture Oh, oh I just assumed it was inside of looking car you just assume because you're not a thinking person, you just like, I was pretty oh, picture, pretty
2: balloon.
0: Uh, um, no thought process.
2: <laughs> no, I did work out, Tom, that they're not in
1: the car, the balloons are not in the car because they're too big, Tom. You did work out that they're not in the car. That's hey, good on you, mate. James, I'm curious to know what's your phone mount because I see you have a nice phone mount. I wonder if that's a pro clip phone mount, but can you tell if it's in or out of the yes, car? Yes, because look, he's looking up, there's a picture with beautiful balloons. And if you look at the reflection in the screen, you can see this, the rectangular screen. On the right side, you see—and I'm describing this because we're a radio show—on <laughs> the right side, you see an air-conditioning vent. Below that, you see the button for the glove box. And on the other side, you see this wonderful phone mount with a little power cord going up to his phone, which is obviously plugged in when he takes the picture. So
0: he's inside looking out. Yes. These right,
1: balloons yes. are not inside
2: the car, okay? <laughs> yes. That part, it worked out. I worked That one, actually, that part
0: of it wasn't ever even in question, Mel. I just say the funny thing is is that you had to think about the fact that there may or may not be balloons in a Tesla.
2: There is a fascinating movie coming out. Have you seen the trailer for it? It's about balloon in the car because we're using up all the world's resources. We've found a way to fix things, and you can uh, shrink people down. So it's about yes, these whole. Uh, Cities get shrunk down The people of these Little tiny people And you can pay money To get shrunk down And live in this utopia Because now you Become fabulously wealthy
1: You know It looks fascinating I can't remember What it's called I just saw uh, I actually put it In my phone It's sort of like that But I was I watched the newest Ben Stiller movie Just a couple nights ago Be still it was very good. And um, uh, well, you're throwing me off, man. <laughs> and they showed this this clip. And they're like little people in the people in the movie theater that I'm with are like, you know, upper west side type people. They're educated and they're kind of snickering at it. And then there was this one scene where they're at this like sales desk and the woman says, Well, let's see, your life's savings of hundred and eighty-two thousand dollars will translate to like twelve point eight million dollars in this new shrunk world and they're hold like hold
0: on a second let let's <laughs> go." Uh,
1: that was a great scene. i'm in yeah i'm thinking yeah. it was retired. pretty yeah. sweet. Oh, and then I'm they showed so in. and so everybody then shut up and started watching the preview yeah. and then they get to the scene where they're having like a beach party and someone basically took an absolute bottle of vodka a real one a normal world turned it on blood. its side put a uh-huh. tap on it and these guys are having a party with all these people and there's like that an endless supply of vodka so
0: like the amount of radiation in my smoke detector is a nuclear power plant <laughs> exactly. that can power the whole thing and if i find a a piece of coal that uh, I don't know, like a flint or something like that. That's all of the coal I can need. I'm loving this idea. Isn't it genius. So really, instead of spending all of this time, uh, you know, Nissan, Renault, Mitsubishi, instead of spending the next six or seven years trying to get to uh, 12 million sort of plug-in
2: vehicles, figure out how to shrink us all down. It's so cool. And lastly, Matt Obadabadabadabadaya says, Mel, (laughs) I want you to do the entire program half in Scottish. I don't. And half in South African. I don't want that either. I think that's great. So next uh, week, no. I will do that. I'll do more Scottish accent and more South African accent, and I'll divide it 50-50, mate. Talking Tesla 105, uh, the title,
1: Tom's Last Show. <laughs> does, that, does that ring I a think bell?
2: pretty much the last show.
1: <laughs> so the show is called Downsizing. The Down. Downsizing,
2: that's it. Check out the trailer. Fascinating concept. I think it's real, just like a plasma (laughs) plasma machine that can just magically suck energy from the world. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it was long. It was talking Tesla. It was one oh four and it's done. We love you people.
1: Yeah, have a great week. (laughs) Bye.
2: Talking Tesla is a production of Fully Boo Incorporated, hosted by Mel Herbert, Tom Wilson, and Robert Rosenberg, edited by Eliza Jane Barnes, and produced by C.C. Herbert and Mel Herbert.
1: To support Talking Tesla, go to patreon.com forward slash talking tesla. To find our referral codes, go to talkingtesla.net
2: forward slash about. And finally, if you love the show, go write us a review on iTunes.